seen this place. I need dreams. Who are you? Something inside me is awake. This is not going to go the way you think. Kylo failed you. I won't. We have to fight. Fulfill What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Heroes of Noise. My name is Dan, and you've got yourself a different show this week because I am rolling solo. Kind of rolling solo. Steve's out, but in his place, I have a very special guest. We've known each other for ages. We have been geeking for as long as I can remember. And, uh, well, that's not really true. When I say as long as I can remember, it's like roughly a decade. But still, that's a pretty damn long time, right? I think it shows that we're good friends at this point. A decade is a pretty good length of time. This guy is kind of like my partner in crime when it comes to geeking out. We go to WonderCon together. Uh, we've been to Star Wars Celebration. We, we've done it all, man. I'm glad to have him on the show. I've been trying to get him on for quite some time. And the person that I'm speaking of is none other than my good friend, Mike. He's always welcome on the show, but if we were going to have him on the show, this is definitely the one that I want him on because we are talking about Star Wars, folks. Star Wars The Last Jedi, to be more specific. Came out this weekend and it's just murdering the box office. It's gotten mixed reviews, more specifically by the viewers and the critics, but you know that's okay. I think people are going to come around on this one here. It probably is the most divisive Star Wars movie that's come out yet, but I needed my boy Mike here. He and I are going to have a conversation about this, and we're going to go quite in-depth. I don't think we're going to go in order, like how the movie goes, you know? I don't think it's going to be that kind of a thing where we're just breaking it down, but we're just going to sit and start spitting it. We've got a lot to talk about today, and I think that we should get to it. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome my good buddy Mike to the show. What's cracking, brother? Thanks for coming on. Dan, thank you so much for inviting me. I am excited to be here. I got to tell you, I'm a little unprepared the other day when you said you, we were going to do this. I, I was all ready for Lady Bird, <laughs> and, and now you're dropping it Star Wars, and I'm like, I'll try. I'll try. That <laughs> sent you in the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you failed me there. But you know what? Let's see what we can do. I don't know. I, I don't know. I was thinking about how we were going to go about doing this show, and there's like this part of me that wants to do the not, you know, the traditional podcast, non-spoilery part, and then go into the spoilers. But it's this is my third time seeing it, Mike. I actually saw this movie once. I just got back from the movies. Actually, I've seen it once a day since it came out. And I don't even know if that's enough yet. I freaking, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you exactly what I thought of this movie yet, but let's just say I'm bursting at the seams to talk about it. So I think what we're going to do, guys, 
I'm going to put this in the notes here and I want this to be out right in front of you right now. Listen up, kids. This is going to be a spoilery, spoilery, spoilery podcast. Basically, what I'm saying, guys, is if you have not seen the movie, don't listen to this podcast. Keep it. File it. We're going to get through a lot of stuff and I think it's going to be a good one once all said and done. But this is not the podcast for you if you haven't seen the movie yet, okay? So it's out there, spoiler warning, eh, eh, whatever you want to do. It's time to get down to business here. So are we, we're, we're starting with the spoilers straight out of the gate? Absolutely, man. Why the hell not? I got to be honest then. The fact that Jar Jar Binks turned out to be Snoke. Seriously disappointing. I totally understand what you're talking about, man, because you know what really surprised me? is that how Leia ended up like hooking up with Admiral Holdo. Who knew that was going to happen? I didn't even know she got down like that. You know what I'm saying? Dude, and then Akbar joined in at the end. I, it was, you know, it was a bold choice on the filmmaker's part, let me tell you. Sex in the Star Wars world, ladies and gentlemen. And Mike, it has literally taken us three minutes to get to talking about sex. So we'll tone it back a little You're bit. welcome. <laughs> hey, man, that's how we do it. So... Let's, I guess we'll just start off, Mike, by I'm going to ask you, what did you think of this movie? I loved it. I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, you know, part of it, and I, I think this is where a lot of people are coming down negative on it, was partway through. And, and I think maybe a third of the way through, I realized, wow, this is a very simple plot. It's it's they're the rebels are running away and. Uh, you know, Finn and Rose have to go accomplish this, and Ray uh, is training with Luke. It was that simple. And when Force Awaken came out, nobody had a clue what this movie was about. And I think that was a wonderful thing. Don't get me wrong, because spoilers suck. But this movie, we were expecting a lot. Agreed. And I think a lot of people walking out of that film got what they were looking for. And a lot of people walked out of that film disappointed because they did not get what they were looking for. I was looking at uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which is something that I don't normally do. We don't normally subscribe to the Rotten Tomatoes belief on this show. But, you know, I had to see what they were. Wise. Yeah. I like to make my own opinion. So why do I need that? You know, but I was curious of what the overall population thought about it. And the odd part is the critics have it at a 93% right now, but the viewers have it at 56%. So it's very safe to say that this movie is like super divisive amongst the Star Wars fans, you know? I'll be honest, man. It took me three times to watch this movie. So much freaking information that I, I didn't even really know what to make of it when I walked out of it. You know what I mean? Like it was just part of me was like, okay, this feels very different to me. So you know, am I, did I even like this movie? It was, it was very similar to when I walked out of Phantom Menace, you know, a million years ago. I, I was, that's a good movie, right? Wasn't it? It was a decent movie. Now, I think most of us know that my opinion of that changed right away after, you know, a couple of days of it sinking in. Phantom Menace, not my favorite movie. But this one had something. And I knew that I was onto something when, you know, I, I just kept, it kept coming back to me throughout the day, trying to fit these pieces together. You're right. It is, it is a bit of a simple plot. Yes. But there's a whole hell of a lot going on in this one. There's so much, you know, so much that's different about this movie that it, it just had me. It had me hooked. You know what I mean? And, uh, I got to tell you, I, I haven't, I think that once I process everything that we're talking about as we go along in this podcast, 
I think I'm going to be able to give you a full on rating of what I thought of this movie, maybe even a ranking of where, you know, it fits in all of my Star Wars movies. But, uh, man, this movie just has, you know what? I never say this, but this movie had me shook. Like it just had me fucking shook. I had to sit and just process this every single time that I came out, kind of, you know, including now. I've only been out of the movie for about two hours now, and uh, I'm still thinking about it. So I think we need to start breaking this one down, man. But before we do, what was your first experience with Star Wars? When did Mike discover Star Wars? You know, it's funny. Star Wars is the very first movie I ever saw in the movie theater. I was three and a half. Despite the fact that I tell people I'm only 27, <laughs> I was three and a half when I saw this for the first time. My dad took me to go see it, and we saw it in the theater. And then we saw it again in the theater. And then we saw it again in the theater. <laughs> and then we saw it in the drive-thru, drive-in. And... You know, my dad, if you if you ask him today, he'll say, you made me take you to that movie four times. Well, if you know my dad, nobody makes him do anything. He, he does what he wants. And if you if you spoke to my mom back in the day, she'd say, your dad liked that movie just as much as you did. And he was thrilled to take you. And that was his excuses because you wanted to go see it. I, I likened that to when like when my kids were young and I had an excuse to go to the toy store. Exactly. I, I was his excuse. Yeah, he used you, man. Right. You know what? I was fine with that. I was fine with that. And I fell in love with Star Wars like almost every other child did. I had all the action figures, which I still do. They're, they're in my mom's house. I have the Millennium Falcon. I had the Darth Vader um, uh, figurine carrying case. It was my first... And one of only two science fiction loves in the world. The other being Star Trek. What's that? No, I'm just kidding. No, oh, you know, oh. no, no. I'm actually, I'm glad that you said those two words on this show because this is something that I want to come back to on another show. We can all get along, man. That's we right. Can that's all right. Get along. There's enough nerdiness for everyone. That's right. And and for a third place, Battlestar Galactica. But that's that's way down the road. Anything else? You know, when it comes to the sci-fi, I got to admit I'm not into too much else. I I, re I do read a lot of books. I love reading the books. I used to read a lot of the uh, what is now considered the, the Star Wars legends, the books from back in the day, Heir to the Empire and, and all of those, the courtship of Princess Leia. And after a while, they started getting a little... Oh, extensive. It was like 30 pages to describe how an X-Wing turns. And and so I stopped reading them. And, and then the Yuzong Vong War, and I, I couldn't get into that one at all. I tried. That was about 30 books or something. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty familiar. And, and I will admit this at one point. I owned every single Star Trek book that ever existed. I've tried to read the Star Wars books so many times. I'm not knocking them. It's probably definitely a user situation, but I just, I find myself completely bored with them. Like you said, it, it's, they're very long winded, uh, you know, a lot, very wordy just to get the simple information out. And that's just my opinion, you know, so I, I actually want to come back to that, but I'm glad that I have you on the show, even though a lot of that stuff isn't canon. You know, at least there's something to compare to. So I'm curious if anything in the movie, translates into the books 
Yeah, there there are a few things I saw, and and not to mention also uh, a few things pulled from the video games. I was like, oh, shit, did you see that? And I'm looking at my girlfriend who's sitting next to me. She's like, what? Be quiet. I'm watching. <laughs> but, yeah, there there were little things pulled here and there. Shall we talk about them? We can talk about whatever you want, man. Let's just keep it loose and just see what happens, you know? Well, let, okay, hold on. I, I spoke about my first experience with Star Wars. What was yours? Let's see. My first experience with Star Wars was in 1977 in the movie theater. I was seven. How old was I? Was I seven? I believe, no, no, I was five years old. And uh, my uncle took me to see this movie at a theater that's no longer around. Mike, you're a Fresnan. So do you remember UA Cinemas on Blackstone? Blackstone and Barstow? That's the one. That's I the one. I worked at that one. Oh, did you? I, I worked there in, when I was uh, in high school. Well, let me tell you what. You people never cleaned your goddamn floors. I was only there to eat popcorn and watch free movies. I admit it. Uh, what's, a, what's a teenager really supposed to do? But yeah, right. man, yeah. But that that was actually my first experience was seeing Star Wars in the movie theater at age five. Uh, completely blew me away. But you know, the thing is, is, like I have vague memories of it. I do remember just going, "Wow, I need more of this." And I remember my uncles were very cool. They took me to there used to be a, a, st- a toy store that was right next door to it called Arthur's Toys. Oh yes. Are we on the same page? Was it that theater? Yeah, next to uh, DeChico's. So we're talking about the same spot. But they took me to Arthur's Toys right after this and bought me, it was like a stainless steel C-3PO on a chain. And I just thought it was like the dopest shit ever. And I remember I remember putting it on. And it was this feeling that I think it was of just, oh, my uncle bought me something. But I remember feeling like, I got the force in me right now. And I know that sounds stupid, but I totally remember having that thought as a, as a kid. Like, I totally feel the force. But really what it was, was I was just having like this affectionate moment for my uncle for buying me something. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, I pretty much stuck with that. I just, like yourself, action figures were a huge part of my growing up. Uh, my dad basically got me to do whatever you know, he needed me to do that I wouldn't do on my own by simple bribery and taking me to various stores. I had my spots. I remember there was a store called Best through the catalog. They had the catalog, yes. And that's, guess what I looked at? Every time we got one in the mail, guess what I looked at? Uh, yeah, with a pen. Because you're going to circle everything you want for Christmas. Oh, for sure. I mean, I was so into it. And like you're saying, I think that my dad was very much the same way because the six-year-old can only be so hip to what's coming out. You know, unless, but then again, you know, we had like Saturday morning commercials that really helped out with these things of selling these toys. Yeah, though all those commercials and uh I mean I remember that. That was and they and they always they, you remember the the commercials for Star Wars. It was some kid who had the coolest backyard in the entire world cuz he always. could set up these backgrounds and you know he had every single Star Wars toy. So unless you had the coolest backyard and every single toy you weren't having a good time. So you were going to your parents saying, first of all, we need a landscaper. Second of all, I need every Star Wars toy. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sure that we were just, it was like a parental hell from like 1977 to like 1983. You know what I mean? Billions of dollars in toys. Genius. Genius marketing. This is how I knew that my dad was into it more than he let on, is that he actually was the one that turned me on to, remember how like on the back when it was Kenner, wasn't it Kenner that was that was doing that before? Yes. I forgot who was doing it now, but it's not Kenner anymore. I don't even know if Kenner exists, actually. They sort of dropped off the map. My dad turned me on to the fact that if you saved the proofs of purchases on the back of the cards, you could get, I think it was a mail-away Boba Fett before before Empire came out. 
So of course, you know, that's that was my obsession. And that just started it. The fact that you could do, you know, buy these five to get this one that's the special one. It just completely like jacked me as far as being a collector goes and is, is stuck with me to this day. You know what I mean? Did you get the Boba Fett? Oh, of course I got the Boba Fett. Man, I've I've gotten so many yeah, seriously, like I had every, like what you're saying, I had the Millennium Falcon, uh Luke's land speeder, I had Tauntauns, I had all of that shit. And Unlike yourself, a lot of it's gone now. Long story. I'm not going to guilt my mom in case she's listening. But mom, you're never going to live this one down. I'm just telling you right now. But I managed to hold on to my action figures. I think I still have roughly, probably like in the neighborhood of like close to 100 of the original oh, action then figures. And the force is still with you. The force is very much with me. That's right. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I remember going to see Empire. I remember my dad got me out of school early, took me to see Empire. That was amazing. That was a very special one to me, maybe because he took me to it. My dad did the same thing. My dad pulled me out of class. Do you remember how cool that feeling was that you were just, see you later, everyone. I'm off to see some Empire. Once again, I was his excuse. He got the day off early and, and you know, I got to take my son. But, you know, he was just as excited as you were. Yeah. And we saw it only once more. He cut it. He cut the viewings by 50 percent on that one. What about Jedi? Did you see Jedi in the theater? I did. Absolutely. I saw them all. Like you were saying, it was that particular setup right there was that all the kids wanted to go see that movie. And my dad pulled me out at lunchtime, brought the McDonald's because, you know, back in the day, the, the, when, when the parents stop by with McDonald's, that's going to it like signifies a special day. Right. Absolutely. Food, folks and fun, baby. Anyway, I really do think that that is the seed that planted it for a lot of people that are our age. I think it had everything to do with those damn action figures. Even though the movies were fantastic, I think those action figures played a huge part in how much I love Star Wars. I don't know about you, but those things were with me like night and day. Absolutely. They were everywhere in my house. And my little brothers, they grew up with G.I. Joe and, you know, the newer stuff that was coming out. But I never got rid of any of my Star Wars and my mom, God bless her, held on to everything. Like she, I told her before I left for college, like, you keep all this. And to this day, it is still in those boxes in that corner in my old bedroom. Now, of That's course, awesome, it's going to take me two days to get to that through all the other stuff, but I know where it is. As long as they're there, right? Hey, you know what? It's like, it's, I think Star Wars action figures and, and the Star Wars toys are, it, it's the closest thing to our childhood. It's, it's the thing that takes us so directly back to our childhood because we remember playing with them we remember those movies it it was our i had the storybooks i had the records that c3po and r2d2 on one side and uh ewok on the other oh shit i remember that i remember yeah, that i had one it, of those too man and and it played the whole movie for the most part and they had everything from play-doh factories to droid making factories too much man too much yeah but I'm sure that's what our parents thought too. Way too much. And here we are. I mean, I was, I was, I can tell you now, I was three and a half when I saw that movie for the first time. And here I am. I am now, uh, would you say 27, right? 27 plus a few. (laughs) Don't do the math. Yeah. Let's, let's, you know, let's, that's a whole other bottle of wine. Uh, but here we are now, you and I, Sitting down, discussing this movie that we both saw when we were like three and five. The eighth installment 
the ninth Star Wars movie. Who would have thought that we'd get to this point? 40 years later. Amazing. How are you 27 and it's 40 years? Oh, well, I guess we'll just have to figure that one out another time. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's all about string theory. It's, <laughs> it's complicated another time. That string theory is too much for me, man. I couldn't even I couldn't even wax on that shit. That's my go-to for almost anything when I don't want to explain something, yes. But you know what I can wax about, Mike? is some Star Wars, and I think that we should get down to it. There is this movie that we spoke of called Star Wars The Last Jedi, Episode 8. Let me give you a quick little synopsis of this. This is coming off the IMDb site. Rey, played by Daisy Ridley, develops her newly discovered abilities with the guidance of Luke Skywalker, who is unsettled by the strength of her powers. Meanwhile, the Resistance prepares to do battle with the First Order. That's their synopsis, and, I mean, it is what it is. I guess that's not, uh, it's not unfactual. It's not false, but there's so much more going on with this movie. Let's get to it, shall we? Yeah. This will not be, if you guys have ever heard the word, then you know me in breakdowns, and I will take it way too far. So this one's not going to be a breakdown show. And by the way, Mike, we don't necessarily need to go front to back with this one. First of all, this is only the second space battle out of all of the movies for the, you know, the opening scene. I thought the space battle was like crazy strong in this one. Fully into it, just from jump. Did you prefer having... You know, a space battle versus the traditional Star Wars opening? I thought it was okay. I think you enjoyed it. Just hearing you speak about it, I think you enjoy that opening scene a lot more than I did. This is good. I'm glad that we're going to have differences of opinions here. I was not overly impressed, but I don't... If, if you know, they came out swinging with the most impressive scene right out the gate, maybe not the best move. But... I had a feeling it was going to be building up, so trust me, I was not disappointed. Basically, the First Order is running shit right now. They have defeated most of the Resistance. Resistance is down to minimal, you know, personnel now, minimal supply, and they're trying to flee their rebel base. Like 400 people. Like, they have a few support ships, uh, one heavy cruiser, and I think a medical ship, and that's it. Well, they had their bombers, too. Uh, yes, yes. In the beginning, they did. What got me about this particular opening was the introduction of the Dreadnought. I'm telling you, man, the seven-year-old in me was just screaming because I would have loved to have a Dreadnought when I was a kid. I think that was one of the coolest looking ships that Star Wars ever put out. That one really likes Snoke's. Uh, oh, God, I just blanked on the name of the of Snoke. Oh, the Supremacy. Another great ship. Um, so I was like the, the seven-year-old me was in heaven watching these things go down. Yes. What I liked about this scene was that, you know, you got Oscar Isaac, who plays Poe Dameron, talking so much smack. I guess he's kind of like a Han Solo, but he's not really like a Han Solo at all. But he's the one that's going to be talking the smack to the First Order. Someone brought that up in, in the last movie, The Force Awakens. Someone told said that, and they're like, yeah, he's the Han Solo. He's the, he's the new Han Solo. I'm like, no, no, Han Solo is Han Solo. But then in one at one point in this movie, I think when he was... Uh, uh, trying to do a coup, trying to take over the the ship later on. Uh, if you noticed, he was wearing the same shirt, Han Solo, the white knit shirt. I did catch that, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, I was like, okay, all right. you know. And you can't have the same people. You can't have another Han Solo. He's got to be different. Otherwise, it's sort of like, you know, maybe a little too much like The Force Awakens, being a little too close to the original Star Wars. That's a really good point. And and I really didn't mean that he is the Han Solo of the movie. I just mean that he's kind of, he has that attitude. 
out of any other cast, he's got that attitude where he's going to be the one that's the troublemaker. And I believe they even called him a troublemaker in the movie, you know. But I love yeah, because you, go ahead. The, the no, I'm sorry. The the beginning when he when he uh, places the call to General Hux. Yeah. Did you catch that he was calling him General Hugs? Yes. I thought that was At hilarious. First I thought I thought it was a mistake in the sound. Like, did they screw up the sound when they were when they were mixing this? Did they mess up? And then I thought it was a mistake with the with the speaker. And then when he kept on saying, "I'll hold, I'll hold," <laughs> I was busting up. And then it, I started laughing even harder because I finally caught like, "Oh, geez, he's really screw-. like he can't even get his name right." Like that's the level of disrespect here. Tall guy, kind of pasty. <laughs> yeah, guys, yeah. like I believe he's toying and, with and, you, sir. <laughs> It, it. Let me ask you this real quick. A lot of people I know who have said this said too much humor in this. Hmm. What are your thoughts? I wouldn't say there's too much humor in it. I will say that some of the jokes fell flat. But I mean, I kind of enjoy that. You know what I mean? I, I, I like the humor. I think that there was a, a good amount of humor in the originals. There was next to no humor in the prequels. And I think that that really stood out. You know, I, I didn't really think well, so. Other at all. than Hayden Christensen's acting, you mean just, yeah, that whole woodenness. It was like a, a mannequin acting, but would you agree? There really wasn't any humor in the, in the prequels, maybe a little bit, None. but again, fell flat. It didn't really work. You know? Yeah. I, I think any and all, most of the humor from the prequels was really designed more towards the young kids through the Jar Jar Binks and those stupid, droids you know that kind of beep 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 that made the noises i forget what they're called they were designed for the kids oh for sure that movie was like all about selling toys and see that's the thing it's been such a long time since i've seen these movies i i I don't think i forgot but i think i blocked out jar jar i really could not stand that character which is pretty much i think the general consensus of most people to if i if i can assume that you know at least from people my age I've, i've never heard anyone go no jar jar was awesome so yeah, I'd agree with you. you know, I, I I think the only people that would disagree were maybe under the age of six when they saw that movie. Right. They, they, they literally grew up watching these movies, you know. But no, I don't think that there was too much humor in this. I actually liked it. I think that most of the story works. There are some things that I... This movie was not without fault. It's not a perfect movie. And I've been talking to some friends that absolutely hated this movie. I'm not one of those people. You see something three times, you're a fan of self-punishment if you don't like it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but no, I, it seems to me like every time I saw that, every viewing, it just got better to me. So completely fine with the humor in that aspect. Was there anything in this movie that like just moved you completely to where you're like, this is one of the best things I've ever seen in the Star Wars universe? Or was it just the best thing for this movie? What, what got you? You know, I loved a lot of the scenes, the, the lightsaber fight with uh, Kylo and Rey and the the guards. The Praetorian guards? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that was pretty incredible because it really also made you think you were going in one direction and boy, they turned that. I got to agree with you on that, man. That That was actually probably one of my favorite scenes. I loved Snoke's throne room. I love the, the reds, the usage of red that Ryan Johnson chose to use in this film. And I got to tell you, just because I've seen it twice in the standard 2D versus the 3D where I saw it this morning, it really does make a little bit of a difference. It adds more. I mean, it's a 3D movie, so duh. But it adds 
depth to it. You know what I'm saying? And it made the throne room look so much cooler. Let me ask you this. And, and you know, I, I don't mean to dodge your question, but while we're here. No, not at all. What's up? Why do you think they, uh, and, and we called spoilers in the beginning. Why do you think they killed off Snoke? <laughs> well, like that was not expected in the second film of a trilogy. You know, I agree with you, but it's definitely not. It's it's not like it's a non-tradition either. I was always pretty pissed that Darth Maul only made it through most of episode one. You know, so we got. He was the only good part right. of all those yeah, three films. Agreed. We got more Snoke than I thought we were going to get, but I wasn't expecting that either. Um, you know, I'm not really sure. I was thinking about that, and it, I guess Ryan Johnson's just trying to tell us, like, hey, you know, really not that important. <laughs> so, you know, and I think yeah. that Snoke served a purpose of sort of sparking the anger, but going in a different direction with Kylo. You know, he, because he played Kylo like a lot in this movie. He insulted him publicly. He, you know, he told him, get that ridiculous thing off your face when he was talking with the mask on, which I thought was pretty awesome. Um, you know, but he used him essentially. He was trying to toy with his emotions to get him to do what he needed to do. He'd cast him out already and kind of dismissed him. You know, he told him straight up, you're not Vader. You're just a boy in a mask. So he wanted Ray. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's what obviously was the catalyst to get him to just completely lose his shit. Kylo is who I'm referring to and get rid of him because Kylo, you know, much like most villains in a movie, I don't know if he's necessarily an evil person, even though he called himself a monster. He thinks that he's doing the right thing. And he's doing what he needs to do for the right purpose. You know, albeit he's a little bit selfish with that, where he wants to have total control. So maybe he is a little bit evil. What I'm getting at is, Mike, is I think that Snoke really just served the purpose of taking Kylo to the next level and, you know, letting people know that Kylo wasn't going to take that shit and he was going to be the supreme leader. Well, all right. Correct me if I'm wrong. You've And I'm asking you because you've seen this more than I have now. In the commercials, when Kylo is in his uh, absolutely badass TIE fighter, right, and he's going down the ship, and you see him and the connection with Leia, and everyone assumes he's about to blow it up. Am I correct that he not only took his thumbs off, but then he turned and he blew up another X-Wing that was about to start firing? Like, did I see that correctly? Well, I'll tell you what I saw. I saw exactly what you're talking about. I think that at the beginning of the, of the movie, during that second space battle, I guess it was the same. No, it was all kind of the same battle, wasn't it? Say so it was. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. Until Leia went into her space coma. <laughs> into her uh, space coma Star-Lord moment. Yeah. Definitely got some comments on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, you no, know, what I recall was that he was, you know, getting ready to shoot, but he felt that force connection with Leia. She felt it at the same time. It was very apparent. And that's the thing is that he still has confliction. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, he's killed one parent this week. He doesn't need to kill another one. But when he did take his thumb off of that, and that other TIE fighter comes on from his right and ends up taking them out. You know, he killed everyone on that deck except Leia. That takes us to another point. So one, one controversial thing, and I really made it a point to stay away from the spoilers. Oh, I didn't me too. read anything. I, I didn't want to know. This is, I, I know everything about every other movie that's coming out, but boy, I busted my butt to make sure I didn't see anything about this. And uh, I saw it opening day, and I had already started hearing about the controversial force powers. So Leia being able to move through space, well... If you can move any other object, like a rock, which is a joke to the movie, 
why couldn't you move yourself? I don't really know what I thought of it. I was I was thinking, okay, this is how they're you know, you see Leia get blasted out of the freaking deck into space. I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, this is how they're handling. It's, it's weird that they're taking her out so soon, but this is how they're handling the death of Carrie Fisher. I thought the same thing. Yes. I'm like, all right, that works. I, I would have given her a little more time because I know that she did film the entire movie. But then it made sense, obviously, why they did that. I don't know if I'll call it a problem, but I did find it a little cheesy looking. Seeing her float through space like that, it was almost like I could hear like, or something as she's like floating through space. It it very much reminded me of a uh, of a uh, sixth graders play where you're hooked on the uh, the rope at the pulleys, so you just stand there still and the, you let the pulleys take you up. Like it just looks so. You're right. It 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 was just hokey. It looked bad. Now it makes me wonder if they have actually seen her use her force abilities before, because none of them seemed surprised about that. Did you notice that? Clearly, she's done something before, unless there's just so much craziness in the Star Wars universe that that's just commonplace. I got to believe that that was touched upon in the recent books. You know, the all the old Star Wars books, which are now legend or canon or legend. I mean, they, uh, you know, they discontinued that all those storylines and then they restarted them taking place a few years before The Force Awakens. And I do believe in one of those books it came out that Leia's identity was really the daughter of uh, Darth Vader. Was that in Bloodline? Do you recall if that was the one? I know Bloodline was one of the newer ones. I believe that's it. Yes. Timeline was the first one. And I read that and I thought it was okay. But I I still can't get into those Star Wars books. I I tried. And then the second new force power is... uh, what I call the long distance voicemail. My question to you is when Luke is, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, a psychic teleportation. I called it projection, but that's just me calling it projection. You know, you know what? That works. That That's far easier than what I said. I thought that was a very cool scene. And leading up to the moment you realize what's going on, the way Luke moved, taking on Kylo, the way he moved and ducked, I thought was incredible. And I thought it was leading up to something so huge. Did you notice that when he was fighting Kylo, his legs, you know, like if he if he slid his leg or slid his foot or anything like that, it would not change the surface. Did he? Yeah. So that was kind of like a clue into there was also that part where um, right before he went out, he actually gave 3PO a wink. I'm not sure I caught that. Okay, well, check this out. Let's go back just for a second here, because, you know, talking about that, that effort that he took to do something like that um, right at the beginning when Kylo first gets contact with Ray and he's like, how are you doing this? You know, he's like, this would kill you. It would take, it would kill you to do something like this. So he, he knew that it wasn't her doing it. So I think, I think that was a little bit of a setup for Luke's part because, you know, spoilers, Luke ends up dying right after that part. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that that was just like a projection of himself, a physical projection or like I initially thought Jedi mind trick. Do you know what I'm saying? On like this huge level. He had managed to tap into everyone's brain and project himself. And that's how they all thought that he was there physically. So that's that's what I was thinking at first. But then I thought about it. And I don't know if in the canon, can Jedis like do a Jedi mind trick on a droid? That's a good question. I have to assume it wouldn't be so much a Jedi mind trick as it would be just physically manipulating the droid to do what it wants. I was thinking, is this a Jedi mind trick? But then if it is... How is 3PO seeing this too? Again, getting back to the wink. 
I thought maybe like, hey, you know, I'm in this with, you know, you can tell something's up. That's because 3PO was kind of, you know, as best as he could emote, was kind of looking at him like, what? What's going on here? You know, and he gave him that wink afterward. I don't think so, because I'll tell you what. I mean, now taking nothing away from Luke Skywalker, but in order to do that, that's a lot of concentration to control that many minds at one time. Clearly, it killed him. (laughs) You know, it took his it took his physical being from him. So I don't think so. I think he projected himself there. So he was in his mind. He was as there as he could be. And it was a physical, for the most part, representation of him. Now, was it actually physical? Like you said, you know, he didn't raise any of the salt or any of the ray. He didn't disturb the ground at all. Not to mention Kylo actually was able to stick a lightsaber through him. Yeah, but now here's something different. And I don't know if what this means. Did Leia know what he was when he kissed her on the forehead? Again, I'm not entirely sure. Like, she would have felt that, right? And I assume that she did. And he was actually able to place those dice. Do you, you know what those dice were from, right? Did the dice make sense to you? Oh, yeah. Star of the original, uh, yes. By the way, fun fact, only in the, in episode four. Correct. Yep. He physically dropped the dice in her hand. She had them in her hand. Kylo had them in his hand. It was very strange. I don't know if it was just like the selective power that he could do. He could, you know, he could, he could project himself physically in certain aspects. And other things were just like a... a Mirage, if you will. I think that's what we have to go with. I like that Ryan Johnson has taken chances with this movie. And it's taken me three viewings to really figure this out. I like that he's taken chances and he's done something. He's kind of turned Star Wars on its head a little bit. And he's making, he's challenging the viewer now. And I think that's why everything's so divisive right now is that he's doing things a little bit differently. And I think that's, I really do think that this is exactly what needs to be done. Um, I went and saw this movie with a friend yesterday. And he was saying that he keeps things movies very separately. Like he's got his he's a lover of the original trilogy. He disregards the prequels and he's these ones he likes, but he's keeping it separately. But I don't think that he was really crazy about the the new force effects. You know, I think he's more of a purist that way. But I don't know, man, for me, it just seems like this this is the this is where it needs to go. I think that J.J. Abrams has a little bit of a problem on his hands that he's going to have to work out. I don't know if you're aware or not, but he just gave his pitch for this movie this week. I I just read that, yes. Yeah, he had nothing to pitch. So, you know, he kind of set things up for Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson changed these things, turned them on their head a little bit. And he's giving him a bit of a challenge now. I don't know if they're going to work together on this or not. I think that, you know, J.J.'s perfectly capable of carrying the story on just fine. But I'm very curious how he's going to go about this here. Okay, so two things. What's up? To go back one step. I absolutely loved when Kylo Ren unloaded every single phaser at Luke and you just see the most massive bombardment of laser fire ever only to have Luke Skywalker walk out and literally brush the dirt off his shoulder. It was so awesome. It really was. It was so freaking awesome. I love that scene. I think that Mark Hamill did such a good job in this movie. I was a little worried that he still had the chops, but I love this version of Luke. We haven't really got to this part yet, but he was projecting his younger self to them, the Luke that Kylo remembered. And I don't know if he was doing that for psychological reasons, because that was the last time that those two faced each other. So I don't know if he was doing that just to, you know, so it really sank in that Kylo like, oh shit, Luke's here. It's it, like, it's about to go down right now. 
that's the only reason I could really think that he did something like that. But he looked so badass when he had his, when he was, you know, he's an older guy, but he looked so cool with his hair short like that. Because I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, did he just go get like a dye job and a haircut before he did this here? Yeah. You know what? You're right. That was actually the first. And I took note of that. Like when watching this the first time I'm watching it, I'm like, wait a minute. Did he take the time to the rebellion is about to die and he took the time to dye his hair and get a haircut? <laughs> and I realized like, no, okay, something else. And I had no clue. I I couldn't have told you he was doing a force projection. It was all a surprise. You you mentioned how much you like Ryan Johnson and what he's done with this. Yeah, absolutely. And I I really did too, and and it was a surprise. It was a pleasant surprise because I will agree with most people. I love The Force Awakens. I, I thought it was a fun, great movie that certainly did start to make things right after the prequels because I hated the prequels. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, I, I pretend the prequels really don't exist. But I will agree with most where The Force Awakens was very, very similar to Star Wars or, or A New Hope. So I, I think a lot of people expected The Last Jedi to be very much like Empire. You saw things that were very reminiscent of Empire. The At-Ats coming down while the, uh, what were those? The, the sails, the, the ships that dragged, you know, they were the cover or going out. Right, the ones that... Uh that the the uh, resistance was moving towards with their uh, battery ram, right? Cannon. And you know, so that looked. I, I think a lot of people thought that was well. There's the first scene out of Empire. That's now the first scene out of this. And you know, Ray is off with Luke, much like Luke off with with uh, Yoda. Instead of snow, we have salt. Yeah, exactly. And it was. I think a lot of people were scared that this. That's where this was going. And I have to admit, I was a little afraid, like, please don't just repeat Empire. Because, A, that's like trying to go repeat The Godfather Part 2. You can't do it, don't do it, come up with a new story. What I loved about this is this was very much a combination of both Empire and Jedi. Agreed. Return of the Jedi. Agreed. Excuse me. I that throne room scene was just straight out of Jedi. They killed off Snoke in, in quite possibly the most awesomest way you can kill someone with a lightsaber. That really was cool. I, can you think of a better way? Not offhand. No, I'm not that creative. It, it was brutal and awesome. You know what was great? Is that every Star Wars movie that we've gotten, someone's losing a limb. Does that ring true for Force Awakens? Let me think about that for a second. Did anyone lose a limb in Force Awakens? Probably a stormtrooper. Actually, I could be wrong here. Yeah, I don't think that there were any in Force Awakens. I'd have to watch that again. Yeah, I would say that there's not, actually. But um, what I was getting at is it was nice that they kind of threw that back in because, you know, that was a bit of a running gag, you know, losing a limb. You're in a Star Wars movie, you're going to lose a limb. I like the subtle detail of, yeah, Snoke gets cut in half, but it also took his hand, too. You know what I mean? So right. we did get our lost limb more so. There's the loss. There's your lost limb. Totally Jedi. Uh, definitely a lot of elements of Empire in there. But I don't think that either of those attributes had anything to do with like making this movie a um, a reboot or a remake, if you will. Like I totally agree with you on Force Awakens. I think that I think that was important, though. I think that J.J. Abrams was doing the. I just talked about this on the last show, actually. I think that J.J. Um, Abrams 
did us a service by doing something like that and and giving us setting us up with a familiarity something that was palpable for older fans to get them back into it you mean much like uh r2d2 throwing out the uh princess leia message for luke oh the best callback ever oh yeah it was so great got the feels when i saw that seeing force awakens probably 13 15 times now who knows how many times i've seen this movie i really do think that he was doing straight callback to make things more palpable for people like us that maybe got a little turned off from the prequels and we wanted it we wanted to get back that genuine star wars feel whereas this one here just has elements of that does that make sense i can't argue i think you're right and i think it needed to be done i think that it set the course for a new you know palette to be painted and it got people back on board again again some people didn't care for it but i think that those were just kind of honestly just sort of butthurt star wars fans i i think that Star Wars fans are sometimes their own worst enemy. You know what I mean? <laughs> they they want they want to have be. yeah you know, totally. I mean I'm the same way. But I think that they want to have that magic that they experienced at age seven, age ten, whatever. You know, and let's face it, that's not always going to be there. But I think that JJ got as close as possible to that. Whether or not people truly liked that movie, me not being one of them, I loved it. I think that that was super super important. I'm glad that Ryan Johnson has decided to, you know, go, yeah, here's your here's your little elements here. But we've got a whole other thing going on here. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in episode nine when J.J. comes back to it and we have that certain feel. And then Ryan Johnson's going to kick into a whole other trilogy. It's it's very interesting for me. I, I, I'm cool with it. You know, I don't think that Disney's dug its claws into it too much yet to where it doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie anymore. What I am afraid of, and I was thinking about this yesterday, is I'm afraid of this whole trilogy starting to feel a little too much like a J.J. Abrams production. Don't get me wrong, I love J.J. Abrams. Almost everything he does is awesome. I, I truly believe he's the next Steven Spielberg. But He definitely takes a lot of cues from him, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm okay with that. Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's all I'm going to say. But what I don't like, and, and I feel like he's done this with almost every single TV series he's ever done, which was either Revolution or um, Lost or even some of his movies, and that is throw out a whole bunch of questions. And give no answers? Or even worse, the answers are are taken care of in one one statement and that's it and we're moving on and okay like and I'll give you an example uh, Ray's parents yeah did you see that coming no but how do you feel no, about I, that though? I, I okay I'm torn I'm 50-50 torn in one sense I'm angry because like I said they made it a bigger production in the first movie like they they knew people were going to be asking. Then they answer with like, oh, they're nobody. Okay, well, moving on. On the other hand, one of the things I absolutely hated about the prequels were the midi-chlorians. Don't get me started. <laughs> Don't get me started. Like the, the beauty of Star Wars is anybody could become a Jedi. Boy, girl, alien, human, whatever. All you had to do was work hard. And study and train and, and you could become a Jedi. Midi-chlorians made a statement saying, nope, only certain people can do it. And if you're not, well, get out of our way. And that blew a lot of the magic for me. 
I took it that like Ryan Johnson's take on it is that it doesn't necessarily mean that the Skywalker family were the only ones that had the midichlorians. I'm glad they didn't use the word, but if we're using it for this purpose, I'm going to go ahead and include it in there. That the Skywalker family was the only one that had that source of power, the midichlorians, you know what I mean? Because, you know, like at the end, that kid on Canto Bite shows that he's force sensitive. I love that. I, I want to talk about that, man. I was going to bring that up at the end, but yeah. Yeah, no, we'll talk. We'll definitely get to that there. Again, feel free to jump around. I think that anyone that's really down with this is going to, you know, they're going to know what we're talking about. They may disagree. They, maybe they agree, but I think they're at least going to know where we're at in this because again, if they haven't seen it, this is not the podcast to be listening to. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to take it back to the beginning for just a second here. I wanted to talk about some of the the differences and upgrades that we've seen, you know, versus these movies compared to the the original trilogy. Um, specifically, I wanted to talk about Finn. When we see Finn in this one, he's still unconscious from the last part of uh, Force Awakens. It looks to me like they've they've actually updated the back to tank and they've moved on to the back to suit. Yes. Far more convenient. I thought that was funny when Poe like pulls back into the hangar, which by the way was awesome when he pulled the brakes on that and he just like kind of like came to a screeching halt. I thought that was really cool. I want to see a little more of that. Yes, there was not enough. There was not enough X-Wing fighting in this one here, but uh, Poe is truly a badass. But I thought that was really funny how he was with BB-8. He's like a Finn, naked, leaking. What? He's like, did you fry a chip or something? And it shows him coming out. He's like leaking all over the place. I guess that would be a much better way of healing as opposed yes. to like floating around in gelatin, you know? Well, yeah, you know, and and if you're the uh, Rebel Alliance, you gotta you gotta be moving easily. And a tank, I can see being tough to move around quickly. Super cumbersome, right? Right. Let's go to Octu, my friend. Let's do that now. What were your thoughts? I liked the planet Octu. We see at the very end of Force Awakens how she Ray's handing him the lightsaber. And I think that they filmed that over again. You know, I don't think that they actually used that same footage. It looked a little bit different to me. You are correct. They did. I like how the music just stops, though. And Luke just tosses the damn lightsaber over his shoulder. You know, I thought that was hilarious. It, without saying a single word, he let the entire audience know exactly how he feels. Yeah, Luke is definitely not in it anymore. He has pretty much sworn off the force and he's just chosen to live this secluded life as a hermit. And what a spot to do that at, right? Like there was, <laughs> it was just him. And what what else was, what other life was on there? We had the caretakers of the Jedi village. We had the Porgs, of course. And I'm sure we'll talk about the Porgs in just a bit. And a lot of sea life. A lot of sea life. Did you catch that that sea creature? Yeah, That was flipping the in the background? going down. Yeah. yeah. I loved how it showed when, when Ray looked over and saw his X-Wing that was down below in, in the water like that. That was just a nice touch, too, you know? Right back to Empire. Yeah. The part that made me laugh was how they, they actually brought back a bit, kind of an Easter egg, you know, the blue milk. And I was not the expecting. Yeah, milk. I wasn't expecting Luke to go down there and just do a couple of squeezes from the teat and take a pool right there. I thought that was hilarious. That it was like dripping from his face. And what the hell was that thing? I don't think there's a name for it yet, but it's just like, you know, every time, you know, every time he squeezed the teat. But I, I like the way I guess, you know, it's this is almost also going back to uh, Ben, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. You know, living in isolation on Tatooine. I, I'm just now making this connection. It seems like the, the young man that we saw in, in um, A New Hope has now become that old hermit that he once had to encounter, you know, back then. So, yeah, it's gone full circle for him. Yeah. 
Yeah, they, you know, the rumors are always going around, spoilers, and, and they had spoken about Luke dying in this one. But I got to be honest, I really was hoping that was wrong and he'd be in the third one. I wanted to see a little more. I wanted to see real training. I think I wanted to know, and I think this is why a lot of people may be disappointed, I wanted to know more about the Force. I wanted to know more about what Luke has learned this whole time he's been gone. We learned what he's sort of been doing. Like he just, I think in passing he mentioned the first Temple of the Jedi, and that was it. And he found five books, and that was it. I I truly feel that Mark Hamill's going to be back for episode nine. I think that we're going to see him in physical form as well as ghost force. Excuse me, ghost force form. That was hard to say. You mean via flashbacks? I think that they'll see him as the force ghost. More so than we do in the physical form, but obviously it's going to be flashbacks. I think that he's not done. Nowhere near done. When Luke was facing off with with Kylo, and he goes, you know, I'm always going to be with you. See you around, kid. He sounded like Han when he said that. Exactly. The way I took that was like, oh, he's going to haunt your ass forever. (laughs) My, My words, exactly. I was going to use the word haunt. I think that's what he was trying to tell him. Like, go ahead. It doesn't really matter because you'll be seeing a lot of me. I'm going to haunt your little miserable ass. Every single time Kylo is in the bathroom, every time he's trying to take a shower, every time he's trying to sleep for just a little bit, Luke is going to be there. Just just singing a song or something. Probably, probably in the voice of the Joker. I think that would be nice. You know, it is a little weird to hear Mark Hamill now. I mean, you, you see him here and there and, you know, he's on Twitter a lot and you just you, you see him in like various interviews and whatnot. But to hear Mark Hamill now playing Luke Skywalker, I, I can't help but hear the Joker sometimes. It, not like he's, he doesn't right. sound anything like him. You know what I'm saying? But it, it's him. You still sense it. You still sense it. He's such a good Joker. Oh, my God. I just kind of like randomly took a, li- a list of things that I felt were great and some of the things that I felt were like not so great. Let's hear him. I figured we could start off with the good and then work our way to the bad. I assume you have some uh, negative feelings about this movie, too, as most do. You know, some, some. I've, I think I've already mentioned quite a few, but let's see what you got and we'll, uh, we'll tackle them. I got to tell you, we were just starting to talk about Force Ghost. One of the highlights of the movie was seeing freaking Yoda. Oh, again. yes. I freaking lit up when I saw Yoda again. It was so nice to see not only Yoda again, but to see old Yoda again, the puppet. It was awesome. It was so good. Yes. I like that they made him old. They chose to make him old. I love that he had that that kind of, <laughs> you know, like bumbly laughter thing that he had in um, Empire. It was perfect, man. It was freaking perfect. He was funny. I loved what he did when Luke was trying to set that Jedi tree on fire. He's telling him, you know, he's like, uh, oh, the books you read, page turners they are not. You know, <laughs> it was, it, He's like, young Luke, so good to see you. And it was just perfect. You know, that's exactly what I think needed to be done. I don't think I would have been as happy seeing Yoda if, it, if they had made him the young Yoda again. I always thought he looked a little weird in the prequels for myself. Oh, he was creepy. No question. I forgot to mention this earlier, but when you were talking about how Luke Skywalker is, um, he's standing down and he's like facing the entire First Order, that particular shot of him just facing all of those AT-ATs was amazing to me. One of my other favorite scenes was watching, I keep saying scenes and I mean shot, is watching Luke and Yoda sit and watch that tree burn 
from like a, from a distance. That was just that was Star Wars, man. That felt so Star Wars to me, and and I just yeah. loved it so much. Seeing you, it took you back. That's the thing about these directors; they do have the ability. They know what people want to see. I mean, then and I think that a lot of people would disagree with what I just said right there. But I think that for me, they tapped into what the kid in me needed to see to make this movie work. You know. What do you think the odds are of them bringing back um, Ewan McGregor for the next one? You know, I, I thought I heard something about that, and I couldn't really tell you I where did I pulled too. that from. I also had heard a rumor that Hayden Christensen was walking around the set, and I'm thinking, are they going to throw him in as a, as a force ghost? It would make sense, you know, his father talking to son. I heard that rumor. I don't know if that's going to be in the uh, special release Blu-ray uh, that we'll see from this film. For all we know, he could have pulled a Stan Lee and filmed his scene for like, you know, years down the road. You know how Stan Lee does that with all of his cameos? Yeah. Like all of his cameos are done for the Marvel movies from what I know of here. So maybe he did that. I don't know. I don't think Hayden Christensen got a fair shot with this script. Do you know what I mean? I think that those movies were just so bad, so poorly written and directed that I think that he was kind of forced to be wooden. Yeah. I mean, uh, Harrison Ford. You know, we all know, you know, he said, you can write this shit, but you can't say this in front of the camera, you know, and Hayden Christensen isn't bashed, I think, as much for his acting as he is the words he spoke in the film, which is not his fault. But again, I think it all comes back to direction. You know, Daisy Ridley had a hell of a time. I think you probably know this, but she had a hell of a time when she first started filming Force Awakens. She didn't even know if it was going to work out for her because her first scene she filmed, J.J. Abrams was pretty much like, yeah, that's kind of wooden. He told her straight up, you're going to need to step it up a little bit. Perhaps if Lucas would have done that with Hayden Christensen, we would have a completely different movie on our hands. And the rest of the cast for that matter, you know. But I'm not opposed to seeing him come back if done right. And with J.J. at the will for this one, it's, it's very possible. We'll see how it goes. If he would have been with Ryan Johnson, the way he pulled Yoda off, I think it can be just as good. I guess we'll only, you know, time's only going to tell. Yeah. Keeping to Act 2, I really liked the caretakers. They did not like Rey at all. She just kept pissing them off when she's practicing her Jedi skills and she takes out the lightsaber and slices through that rock and crashes their car. You know, that look they give her. I thought that was just classic Star Wars humor. I'm glad that you're here because I really wanted to ask this question. I'm going to go ahead and call it his Jedi meditation room. But that little pool that he was sitting at, it looked like it had like the Jedi logo in it, but it was full of water. And then like when he when he would use the force, it would rumble. I don't know what significance that it had, but they kept coming okay. back to it. And then I noticed the first time that he reached out to Leia, there was like a big rumble. Yeah. You know what I mean? The thing rumbled like that. So I don't know. When I, I saw it this time around, I wanted to like come make sure I came back to that. And I was thinking, okay, does this thing rumble off when he projects himself over to Crate? It doesn't. So... I don't know. I was thinking maybe that it was something in the, you know, maybe that's been talked about in the newer books. Oh, oh, no. And I don't think they really touch on Octo at all of the books. I, I don't think they're giving away any spoilers on that. Um, but I haven't read them all, so I don't know. But do you think Snoke was just a throwaway character to keep us busy for a film and a half? Or do you think that's going to come back around in the next film? Like, do you think Snoke's part, whatever that may be, is not over? I got to be honest with you. At first, I was thinking that it was going to be a bigger part for him. I was thinking that maybe they were going to end up saying that he was like um, Darth Plagueis or something like that, you know? Yep. We're all waiting to hear... Like, that was one of those unanswered questions. 
I think that at this point, Ryan Johnson's pretty much just said, hey, you know all that stuff that JJ set up? Yeah, that's not the way it's going to go. This is how it's going to go. And I think that he ended a lot of stories there. I think he I think he actually See, ended a lot of fan theories on purpose. You know, he killed a lot of things. He killed the idea of race parents being somebody of importance. He killed the idea that, you know, that Snoke was this going to be like the next emperor or something like that. I I don't know if I see him coming back. I, and in a way, I'm okay with that. I, I'd like to see what they come up with next. You know, now that Kylo is the supreme leader, is he going to put his mask back on again? Is he going to be more menacing? You know, like he was when we first saw him. It's funny that, you know, they like they're going to have to do something different with him now because Snoke hit a good point. He's like, take that ridiculous thing off. It was kind of ridiculous. He was simply wearing that because he was a fanboy of his grandfather and he wanted to look menacing. So... You know, I don't I don't know. He he didn't he didn't get hurt too bad in this one. So I don't know what's going to happen. But I think to answer your question, I know I'm rambling because I'm still just trying to put all this together. I don't think we're going to see any more of Snoke. And that, I, I guess I'm OK with that. OK. And I guess this is a fan theory. But one of the things that I keep reading about and hearing about is that Snoke could be the first Jedi. I have heard that, too. But I I have no clue. I'm as in the dark as you are on this one because very few questions were answered. And those that were answered were answered very quickly and in a haphazard, thrown away type manner. Very dismissive, right? That whole scene with Ray swimming underneath and, you know, touching the mirror or whatever that was and seeing what was supposed to be her parents... Was that scene just supposed to be saying, you are your own person, it doesn't matter where you come from? That's kind of what I took from it. Okay, because I don't know what else to think. Yeah. That was very cool, by the way. It was, but I thought that was going to go somewhere. I really did too, but I'm thinking you're right. I think it was just, you know, when the when the reveal happened and you see her there, also kind of reminiscent of Empire when Luke's in that cave, you know? Yeah, yeah, the cave on Dagobah. Right. It showed two people, two silhouettes walking up that merged into one, and then it showed Ray's face. And I'm thinking that was just simply the message right there. You know, you're the important part here. Your parents are insignificant. Move on. Move on. And I think that's what Ryan Johnson's saying. Move on. Let's 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 create some more mythos, you know? Yeah. I could be completely wrong. Who knows? And that's what's great about these Star Wars movies is I'm sure there are a million other podcasts that are breaking this shit down right now trying to figure this all out. I think I would feel a little better. And maybe if they hadn't even told us. But like, I didn't need to know that they hadn't written out the whole trilogy. I was sort of hoping they had written this all out and had their own answers. Not for us to find out early on or get spoilers, but so they're not scrambling around last minute trying to find answers to these burning. That's questions a very risky place created. to be. I mean, I'm glad that they have someone like J.J. Abrams that can that can make a story. But as you mentioned, he's also great at you know leaving plot holes and leaving these unanswered questions. So I don't know. I, I don't know if he's like, yes, this is left to where I can just do whatever I want. Or he's like, holy shit, man, give me a little help here. You know, you just jacked all my theories up where I was going. Yeah. Do you think he would have come to these conclusions that The Last Jedi has shown us? Or do you think he would have gone a completely different direction? You mean if he wasn't forced to follow after J.J.? No, I'm saying I'm saying if J.J. was doing episode eight, 
Do you think that this movie would be more or less the same as far as the answers that we've gotten? Or do you think that it would have turned into a, a no, Ray, you know, your your parents are Kenobi or your parents are Skywalker or whatever, you know, with the way that it was going. I was really thinking that it was going to turn out that Kylo and Ray were actually brother and sister. I think that's where everybody was going because the whole Ben Kenobi being her father literally could not happen because of the timeline. I mean, you know, if you count out everything. But the problem was Leia and Han, the way they treated her in the, in the Force Awakens, you know, it just didn't follow. And I I thought really, I thought she was going to be one of the witches, the Dathomir witches, I think they're called from the books. Um, but to just steamroll over it and dismiss it so quickly. But then again, it does lend credence to the fact that anyone can become a Jedi. You know, you don't have to come from the Skywalker bloodline. You can just be anybody. Which is a perfect setup for these kids on Canto Bite. Yes. Let's talk about the Porgs, Mike. What did you think? Did they did they serve their purpose? Were they unnecessary? What are your thoughts? Unnecessary. They didn't bother me the way I thought that they were going to bother me. But I think that they were 100%. Let's sell some toys this Christmas. If they had not limited the use of the Porgs in this film, if they had used them a little more, yes. I remember two scenes, and this is in the, in the previews, when one is yelling along with Chewbacca, you know, sitting in the Millennium Falcon, and Chewbacca roars, and then he does his little roar. I thought that was sort of cute. Like, you know, okay. And then when Chewbacca's about to eat one, like he barbecued one up and, you know, he's <laughs> that just, was funny. And, and they're just looking at him like, really, you're about to eat my grandfather? Really? It made me wonder, too. It's like, how much of that did they actually see? Right. Like, did they see Chewie <laughs> Chewy go out and hunt one of these little cute oh, little things down and behead it? Uh, <laughs> I really started, started thinking about that after a while. I was thinking like swing it and hit its head against a rock and, you know. Yeah. You know, a Wookiee got to eat, right? A Wookiee's got to eat. You know. So. He can't swim. You know, I, I, did, I didn't even really pick up on it right at first. When Even when I saw it on the spit over the fire, I didn't really think much of it. And then you see those damn feet, those legs on the thing. I thought that was a great scene. I love the way they were looking at him. I, I didn't know that. I, I'm kind of glad that Chewie didn't get too much alliance with them. You know what I mean? I think that could have been. Because I was also thinking, well, this guy needs a companion. He lost Han. You know, he's got Ray, but Ray's no, busy doing things. I did not things. want to see Chewbacca walking around with four porgs on him. Well, we, we're definitely going to see them again because I, you may recall, they pretty much turned the Falcon into a nest. Yeah. Okay. So stepping back one. Yes, one, sir. One awesome scene that I loved that I thought was so clever for them to do was when Chewbacca and Luke were reunited. Yes. When Luke wouldn't open the door. He just bashes that door in. That, I think, is the first time you see the real potential strength of a Wookiee. That and, actually, how vicious he can be, like when Han died in Force Awakens. That was such an awesome scene. I fucking loved that scene so much, watching him just, you fuckers, and just start killing everybody. I love Chewie, man, and I'm glad that they gave him a little bit more. And I was actually sad to see that he didn't get a lot of time in this one. Yeah, but it's good not to be spread out too much. They focused on what they needed to, and I could appreciate that. Did you notice, by the way, that that door, like none of the other huts had doors, but that one did. Did you know where that door came from? Have you read anything about that? I'm sure you probably read something about that door. I have to say I've not. Oh, really? Okay. You're an Easter egg guy, so I thought maybe you'd have read about it. 
Yeah, normally I would be uh, caught up on that. Actually, that is a door from Luke's X-Wing. None of the other huts had doors, but Luke needs a little privacy. You know what I'm saying? So he took the X-Wing door and put that on his hut. It's a little fun fact for you there, brother. I got to be honest. All that time on Octo, I'm, I think I'm still upset that we didn't find out more about the first temple. The first Jedi temple. See, I think this is why people are upset with this movie. They didn't get the answers they were waiting for. 100%. I think that's what it is. I think there are a lot of butthurt Star Wars fans that were expecting Snoke to be this huge reveal and be the next Emperor and 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 getting their Skywalker slash Kenobi, whoever, parents of Rey. There's a lot of things, like I said, that Ryan Johnson just went, nope, no, that's not the case. You know, yeah. <laughs> he, he stonewalled a lot of fans. And whereas it didn't bother me much, I know that a lot of people are pissed off about that. So, you know, we're not going to explain the whole movie or anything like that, but what were your thoughts on like the I wouldn't say the confrontation, but when Ray called out Luke for just not wanting to get involved, you know, and that little battle that they had on the side of the on the cliff right there. What did you think about that? Did they get into that battle for that reason or because she It was when she reached out to talk to Kylo. Right. And Kylo's like, Did he tell you what happened? And this is where we get into like the what was it? Was it three or four different versions of what happened? There was I think it was three versions. There was Luke's version, Luke's first version, I should say. You know, I could feel he was evil and, uh, you know, he turned on me and he he destroyed the Jedi Temple and blah, 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 blah. Then there was Kylo's where he's like, oh, did he tell you what happened? Oh, well, this is what happened. And then it shows his vision of it where it was like Luke had like the evil eyes. Did you catch that? Oh, yeah. His eyes were very sinister looking, you know. So from his perspective, he was just like, I'm just waking up and my uncle is trying to kill me. And I truly believe that that's what Kylo thinks. He was betrayed. He was betrayed by his uncle, right? And he was so again. He's like a, he's like the the classic evil character or the classic villain. You know, he's misunderstood. But I really think that that's what it was. But then to even kind of like reinforce that, we get the final version, which is what I was talking about. What the, the battle on the cliff? Where, you know, um, we see we see Ray in the hut, and she reaches out and she's talking to with their with the apparition or the projection of Kylo, and he tells her the story. And then Luke comes and he's like, no, and he blows that temple up. Kylo disappears. And now she's like, did you really do that? Is that really what happened? And he couldn't really deny it. You know what I mean? He ends up telling her the real version, which was that, oh, I, you know, I I sensed that there was something, you know, different about him, something sinister about him, even in his training. So I go into his hut in the middle of the night. And that's when I like read his mind and find out that there's so much more and all the evil things that he's, this kid's going to do. So in a moment of weakness, I pulled out my lightsaber and I was getting ready to kill this kid, but then I immediately changed my mind. When he changes his mind, he hasn't even had a chance to take his lightsaber down yet. Kylo sees what he thinks he sees, and that's how it all goes down. So, you know, he wasn't truly being forthright with Ray. That's what pissed her off. And that's what that's when she was he was like trying to walk away from her and not admit that to her. And she's like, oh no. She's like beats him over the head with her staff. <laughs> I thought that was cool, man. It's from a certain point of view. Very nice Kenobi pool there, brother. I like that. Maybe so. Thank you. Well done. Well Thank done, you very Mike. much. Well done. These kids, that's why I got them on the show. I have my moments. That's like the last scene in Octo, you know, and she's just like, okay, whatever, I'm done with you. And she she splits. She kind of she kind of had given up on Luke at that point. And now this brings us to the next planet that we're gonna talk about, man. Canto Bite. Now I've got some opinions about this one. As my guest, Mike, I would like you to go first. What is your take on the planet Canto Bite and that whole sequence? This was the weakest part of the film for me. The mission for Finn and Rose 
and I liked Rose. She was fine. No, no complaints about, about the character or the actress. But it seemed to be such a, okay, we need, we need to give them something to do. You know, let's, let's get them to go find the splicer. That whole little story arc to me was unnecessary. They could have done anything else. I like the way it ended up with them facing off against uh, Phasma, although I have issues with the way they used Phasma as well. We'll get to that later. Uh, But it was weak. The whole thing was weak. I can't argue with you a bit. I felt that Canto Bite was completely unnecessary. I think they could have. I understand that they needed to find a way to infiltrate the supremacy. I know that that's where it started getting into the whole uh, everything about that was just weak for me. I, I didn't like it. I had worries about it when I, I remember reading in like Entertainment Weekly and it was showing footage of it. And I guess really what it was is it brought back a feeling of the, it felt very Attack of the Clones to me for some reason. Yes. If that makes any sense. I just yes. felt like that whole thing should have been in the prequels or could have been in the prequels rather. Uh, wasn't really a fan of it at all. The planet, Canto Bite, comedy part that I didn't feel was working very well. I will say that the opening sequence of that, when they it's like the camera shot of it's going through the casino, going over the tables and whatnot. I loved the John Williams score for that part. This soundtrack is amazing, by the way. It's not I know I don't go out and buy the soundtracks for Star Wars movies, but they definitely play into my emotions. And I think this might be one of the strongest soundtracks that John Williams has done. For being his age and as many Star Wars movies and other movies that he's turned out, loved it, man. It worked very well for me. You know, I heard that there was uh, kind of going off on a different subject, but still on Canto Bite. Did you know that there were certain cameos in that one? I sort of figured I think the only the only two people I don't want to say I recognize, but the only two people I assume like, oh, that's them was uh, Prince Harry and Prince I don't know, William. You recognize them? I thought. No, no, no. I didn't recognize them. But I thought in the movie, like immediately when I saw the stormtroopers, I thought, oh, that must be them. Well, what I had heard was that they were actually cut out. No, the news today came out and said their parts are in the film. Oh, okay. Okay. That just came out today. Now, do you want to know who I thought they were? Sure. When Rose and Finn get caught, like they get turned in by, uh, what's his name? DJ. DJ. You know, they get thrown down on the ground and Phasma's like, simple execution is too good for you. You have to suffer. And you see those two stormtroopers walk up with those like laser axes. They've got the black stripe. The executioner troopers, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was both of them. Tom Hardy is supposed to be in this one too. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt was only a voice though. Not to cut you off, but just so I don't forget to tell you, do you know the name of the character that Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays? And it's it's supposed to be in the casino. No, that I recall. No clue. <laughs> so it's Slowen Low. That's the name of the character. Slowen Low. <laughs> so do you know where this comes from? No. It actually started on the Force Awakens, and one of the characters was named Elo Asty to sound like Hello Nasty. Beastie Boys. Yes, exactly. J.J. Abrams is a Beastie Boys fan. I know he is a Beastie. Yeah, he is. He's a huge fan. So he wanted to make one character in the movies that had like a Beastie Boy name. And Ryan Johnson kept with that tradition. And and so this one's slow and low. I think that's hilarious. Okay, that's pretty funny. Yeah, but I I don't even know if he's... I'm looking online on IMDb right now, and I don't even know if he's actually credited. I don't think he is. Oh, there it is. Yeah, he actually is. He is credited as slow and low. Really? But it says voice, though. That's all it says is voice. So... I was kind of wondering, and this is only just because like it's 
It's physically what this person was. Slow because he was drunk and low because he was short. Do you think that slow and low might be that drunk little alien that was trying to put quarter or uh, coins rather into BB-8? How many freaking coins did he put in BB-8? A lot. Because <laughs> it comes in later. BB-8 saves DJ's ass with that. Eno- enough to hurt. That was kind of a funny scene, I will admit. Do you know what got me, though? And I just couldn't get past it. All three times I saw the movie, this one alien was like, yep, I told him not to park their shuttle right there. By the- Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, off the beach. Yeah, that kind of like took me out of it a little bit. Like, oh, this is some this is some creepy prequel shit. You're correct. It took me right back to the prequels. So I, I have a question for you. What's up? Now, I like the way they brought in uh, Maz in the hologram scene when she's fighting the union workers. Which basically got them to Canto Bight. She was the one that told them that they needed to go and get this master decoder. And that's where he was. Right. And and he's a, he's a poet with a, a pistol, you know, like she's describing him as, you know, being perfect and everything. When you were hearing this, did you start to smile thinking you knew who she was talking about? Um, I was smiling, but I was smiling for a different reason, actually. You tell me yours, and then I'll tell you mine. I thought I knew exactly who they were going to go find. Who's that? Who from the original trilogy? Who do you think? Like Lando or somebody like that? Yes. I have to admit that I am a little bummed that Billy D. Williams wasn't in it. But Billy D. isn't quite looking like Lando anymore either. You know, I, I don't. I, it would have been hard to get him to, to Lando shape, I think. Probably. I mean, they all have obviously aged quite a bit, you know, I mean, particularly, honestly, Carrie Fisher. Rest in peace, my princess. But still, yes. I, I think that, uh, you know, she, she did OK. It was in her voice where you really notice the age and the wear and tear because it's, it's pretty obvious. You know what I'm saying? But I think that with Lando, it would have been a really hard thing to do to get him into fighting shape, if you will. What I thought you were going to say was how she was talking about the uh, master decoder. And did you recognize him, by the way? I know I'm jumping around right now, but did you recognize who that was? No, but I just read who that was earlier today, and I forget. Justin Thoreau. Oh, yes. Yeah, he's been on, like, Girl on a Train. Yeah, 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 uh, Girl on the Train, rather. Zoolander, he's been in Megamind, Parks and Rec. He's been in all kinds of shit. Do you watch Parks and Rec? I do. It seemed like Maz Kanata was kind of talking about him. Like, I think they hooked up at one point. She said something like, uh, I know I'm not saying it right, but they're like, you know, can he get the job done? Oh, yeah, he can get the job done. It was like something like that. You know what I mean? Right. Now, jumping forward, something we uh, touched upon earlier at the beginning of the podcast was, you know how uh, we spoke about them taking things out of uh, the original books and uh, the video games? Yes. When Rose and Finn escape, they're trying to get through the rebel base before the door comes down. Yes. That is from the old uh, Knights of the Old Republic. It's quite possibly the most popular scene from that entire game because they also used it for the commercial where it's the exact almost like shot by shot same scene except when the door opens It's just a shitload of Sith with their lightsabers about to destroy a whole bunch of stuff. And they grabbed it and used it for the movie instead. I actually think I know the scene that you're talking about there. I've I've seen that scene before. I have not played Knights of the Old Republic, but I've seen that scene before. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, er- everyone does. Yeah. Real quick, I'm sorry. I didn't want to like, forget this here because I actually had a, a bit of a counter to your Maz Kanata scene. You were saying that you were you're a fan of that scene. I, however, was not. I thought that I'm glad that she was in it. What I didn't like about it was it reminded me of a video game. 
like you know how like you have the little interludes in between your you know your, yep. your campaign uh that's what it reminded me of even more so i could have like seen that like you know how, like if you're at like universal studios or even better let's let's keep it traditional like at star tours or something like that you know and you're like waiting in line and they have the various you know, you've got like three PO that it's talking, or you have the, the the scenes of where they're traveling to, or whatever. It kind of struck me like that would be something that you would see prior to going into a ride. I think that's what all of Canto Bite was. I I just found it to be a sort of like filler. Yeah, I agree. And with then you. they took. I was just. Ref- Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying. I was just referring to that particular scene, though. That wasn't necessarily oh. on Canto Bite. It was. Re- it was. It was getting them to Canto Bite. But I just. I don't know. Whatever it was about this particular, like I loved Masconada in Force Awakens. This time around, eh, not so much. But I did like what she was saying. It was just how they brought her in, the way it was seen. It just seemed kind of weird. It just seemed um, very video gamey to me, or very like amusement park kind of thing. And she had on the Boba Fett jetpack. Yes. Let me ask you this though. What's up? Why do you think they keep wasting Captain Phasma? Man, okay. When Force Awakens came out, I was not a viewer of Game of Thrones. I didn't have that much familiarity with her. So I was kind of impartial. I thought she looked awesome. But when she spoke and she didn't really produce anything in the movie, I was like, eh, okay, whatever. Throwaway character. What other person from the original trilogy looks really, really badass, but sort of just continues to fail? even though they're supposed to be the most badass soldier there is. Well, I was about to say Boba Fett. There you go. Okay, you said soldier, so I wasn't sure where oh, you were going. Oh, bounty hunter. Well, yeah, I mean, same soldier. So you're you're saying that she's related to Boba Fett? No, I'm just saying that like, I think they thought Boba Fett was so popular and all we had him do is stand there. Like, let's do the same. You know, I would have appreciated Snoke sending her out on missions or doing something other than either being in a thrown in a trash compactor or just losing a battle. One of my biggest hangups with this movie is why would you bring back? She, she looks so awesome. You know what I mean? She really does. She's very menacing looking in that armor. Why would you bring her back to do nothing? She doesn't ever do anything that's real vicious. She never she's she's going to execute Finn and Rose. She never does. You know, there's just all these things that she never does that that really makes her a truly evil character. I don't really know why they killed her off. And I'm kind of wondering if she's not killed off. I could totally see her coming back, even though she fell into the flames and, you know, the the supremacy was actually like getting ready to blow. We never did really see it blow completely. And I'm just very curious to see, like, maybe she lives somehow. Maybe they bring her back. I would not be opposed to that because it just doesn't make sense to bring her back and then not let her do anything. Well, that's what they did. It is what it is. But if they brought back Phasma and they did something with her, they had some purpose to her, I would not be opposed to that whatsoever. I think a lot of people are going to say this is like blasphemy, but I'm not feeling C-3PO anymore. I don't think that Anthony Daniels is even given anything to really do in these movies as far as script goes. I think he's just there to like represent anxiety. You know what I mean? He's a droid with anxiety. Well, you know, going back to the original, it was always R2-D2 and C-3PO. Yes. Like, like, uh... Peanut butter and jelly. Laurel and Hardy. Thank you. Exactly. Yes, exactly. They go, they come as a pair. Now they've been separated. You know, and he's not even a freaking, he's a protocol droid. I know this is getting into the, you know, as Steve would put it, into the weeds. But he's a protocol droid. You know, he's, he's supposed to serve some kind of a purpose. And really, he doesn't do shit in this movie. He hasn't done shit in the other ones either. 
other than stress everybody out. Yeah, they give him a red arm to, hey, look, I'm still here, but I'm a little different. So here's my red arm. That goes away. They, you know, He's all fixed up and he still does nothing. R2 served a purpose. He got Luke back on the point, basically, and said, oh, you're forgetting where you're coming from. And he shows him the, you know, the old video of Leia. But C-3PO did nothing. And I think that that's just time that's wasted on characters such as, you know, Phasma, such as Maz Kanata, you know, we could, uh, such as um, Snoke, we could have used that time, even though it's a little bit, I would rather have seen that. Even Vice Admiral Holdo, I would rather have seen more with her. Oh, should we get to my favorite scene in the whole movie regarding her? Why not? You know what? Let's jump because I think I know exactly what you're going to talk about. And I'm very down with that. Let me just say this. Holy shit. So dope. Would you like to set the scene for anyone who just wants spoilers and hasn't seen the movie? Ah, why the hell not? So at this point, the First Order is continuing to kick ass. Uh, we never really kind of talked about what they were doing. Uh, I remember that at one point at the beginning, uh, General Hux tells Snoke, we haven't lost them. We've got them tied to a string. And what he's talking about is, is that their first Star Destroyer has a tracker that can always keep them, even if they're jumping through light speed, can keep them you know, in check all the time. They may never be able to catch up to them. Which has always been an impossibility before. Exactly. Never happened before. They're all mind blown by that. They're doing it by the use of this tracker. It's kind of genius, actually, man, because it's like, okay, yeah, we're not going to catch them this time. We may not catch them the second time, but eventually they're going to run out of fuel. And then we got their ass. And that's like the whole principle of what they were trying to do. Skip ahead to, you know, almost the third act. That's exactly what's happening now. You know, they have like six hours worth of fuel left and they know that they're not going to make it. So what they're going to do is they're going to go to the planet crate and they're, they're going to send out 30 shuttles while the main ship stays there. Vice Admiral Holdo says to Leia, as everyone's evacuating, she's like, no, I'm going to stick around because the only way that you guys are going to be able to escape is if someone stays to, you know, man the ship. She's the massive decoy to allow all the ships to escape. Exactly. She's keeping them distracted while the other ones escape because smaller ships aren't really on their radar as much as this one is because that's the one that they're tracking. Fair enough. Would you say that that's a pretty accurate assumption yes. of what's going on here? Yes. Okay. So I feel like I've set that up enough, sir. Take over, please. I want to know what you think about this scene. So Admiral Holdo really only has one option, and that is to make a suicide run at the Supremacy. Now, in Star Trek, in Star Wars... Even in Battlestar Galactica, it's been brought up and mentioned and threatened many, many times. And that is, well, let's ignite or let's start the engines at light speed and just ram them. And then at the very last minute, they don't have to do that. It never happens. This is quite possibly the most incredible scene of a ship going to light speed on a suicide run on a bigger ship. Would you go as far to say in film history, this could be one of the coolest battle techniques ever? Quite possibly, yes. I think you are correct. I think it is the most incredible 35 seconds of just spaceships and one move and the and the effect. So fucking good. You see the ship go to warp and you see the damage. And I think it's just like a low key tone in the back. It's like straight silence for about 10 seconds. Is it, is it dead silence? Well, I mean, there might be like a very low tone. You're right. But I'm sorry. But the reason that I said that is that I remember when I went up to get my tickets the very first night, they actually had put up a sign. I don't know if maybe from like, um, you know, a preview or, or 
this was a complaint that they had when they when they saw the premiere or something like that. But they said at like a minute and 52, excuse me, at an hour and like 52 minutes or something right around there, there is a period of just silence. This is meant to be this is for this is for cinematic purpose is how they put it on there. So that's why I'm, you know, but again, I just saw it. It's pretty much silence that part. So goddamn effective. Perfectly used silence. The lighting. It was unreal. The way you see the supremacy just split in half. I was transfixed. Ten years from now, when someone asks me, what's one of the best scenes you've ever seen in a movie? That might fit in there somewhere. Like it was, I have not seen anything like that before. It was so fucking awesome and groundbreaking. That definitely comes from Ryan Johnson. Obviously, you know, you've got your industrial lights and magic that does all that, the part, you know, Disney, everyone's involved with making that scene happen. But that, that came from Ryan Johnson. It was fucking amazing. To the listeners, prove us wrong. God, I sound like a real nerd. Oh, you are, bro. You are. It's okay. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> but what's the best spaceship scene that's better than what we're talking about in The Last Jedi. Bring it. Bring it, please. And tell me, because I want to watch that and then tell you that you're right. And I'm sorry that I was so damn ignorant. That was one of the best parts of the movie right there. I'll tell you what, if anyone brings a better scene to the table than that one, I'll start watching that over and over again. I don't want to make you sound stupid or anything, but Dan, but have you heard of this YouTube's, the YouTubers? It's, this, it's I've heard a of website. this in, in dreams. I've heard of this in dreams, but okay. I, I thought it was just right. a, you know, just a fantasy. I think it's like youtubers.com. And what you do is you can go on and you look at these scenes from, you know, people send them in. It's really awesome. Do they put up the video pictures? Moving pictures. Yes. Mo- moving with sound. With sound. It's quite amazing. I'll be a monkey's uncle. I know. I know. The next thing you know, they're going to put food into a box and turn it on the box and then it comes out warm. (laughs) You're talking witchcraft now, my friend. Sorcery. You know how as soon as a movie comes out, scenes start leaking up onto YouTube. They're not as quick to shut them down and, you know, well, the movie's out. Eh, Yes. Whatever. Here's what I'm calling. The top three videos that come out on YouTube regarding this movie are going to be the three scenes Luke getting hit with the AT-ATs, the lightsaber fight between Rey and Kylo and the uh, Imperial Guard, and Holdo hitting the Supremacy at light speed. It was beautiful. And if I'll tell you what, if they can match it in the next movie, God bless them. I don't know, man. That's a hard one to top right there. I really think, I really, really think that in 10 years, you're going to see that on some kind of like a you know, like on the Oscars, you know, best scenes of the 2010s. I've got some questions for about Rey. Do you now? I'm, let's talk some Rey because she is definitely one of my favorite Star Wars characters, period, at this point. Absolutely. What you got for me? Okay. So now that we know who her parents aren't, what's up with all the Force visions when she touched the lightsaber in The Force Awakens? See, now this and maybe this is just my ignorance, you know what I mean? I I'd never have claimed to know every single thing about the Star Wars universe, but I've seen the movie enough times. I think that this is like a plot hole that has developed from the takeover of Ryan Johnson from from uh, J.J. I think J.J. was on to something. And I'm a little confused, to be quite honest with you, because I still don't know how Luke's lightsaber got to the castle in the first place. Oh, nobody does. It seemed like she was going to come back to that. Well, no, but remember in The Force Awakens, she said something like that. That's a story for another time, I thought she said. A good question for another time. 
I'm wondering if this is just a straight up plot hole. And they just kind of went, eh, go with it. That's it's movie stuff. You know, I don't know if they'll end up coming back to it. It's a good question. Yeah. Any thoughts on that yourself? I think the negativity of this film, again, comes from the questions that weren't answered. And like some of that, I mean, just to go down the list here, I have a quick list here. Let me make sure I'm organized. Like other than just being a bad guy who's also sort of mysterious in the first film, Snoke had no real point. In the end, it was still just Kylo taking over and becoming the leader. I'm not arguing with you. I don't even know how he became Supreme Leader Snoke in the first place. Yeah, you know, it's just too many questions. Yeah, it's another example of them just saying, you have to deal with this. This is what it is. Sometimes things just are. And it's a shame. And that's the J.J. Abrams way. He's very good at that. You know, you, you don't get an explanation. It's just here it is. Agreed. But why did Ryan Johnson choose to just go with it? Granted, he's got so much more that he's dealing with by putting all these different elements into the Star Wars universe. Yeah. But that's a huge one for me. And I, again, I just feel like he was a wasted character. So then my next question is, you have Kylo Ren, who was born into quite possibly one of the strongest bloodline users of the Force, the Skywalkers. He's then trained by quite possibly the most powerful Jedi in the known galaxy, Luke Skywalker. Correct. Then this girl comes along who has no training whatsoever, and she beats him in the first movie. She pretty much busted his ass open with the lightsaber, which we saw the damage in The Last Jedi. And the only real explanation out of all that is that she does come from somewhere and she trained with someone. And then it turns out she didn't. Like, she's just parents of nobody... And she's raised on this planet, and she is just as powerful as this other dude who, again, is the grandson of Darth Vader and and trained by the greatest Jedi of all time. Right. She's his equal? I don't buy it. Yoda kind of said to Luke, he's like, you know, he said something to the effect of, you know, it's time to basically put down those beliefs. You know, again, getting back to the Jedi scriptures. She already knew all that shit. You know, so it's not all about the Skywalker bloodline anymore. You know, it's there's a bigger picture going on. That's why the Jedi is not going to end. Luke was saying that he felt that it was time for the Jedi to end. And uh, I forgot how Yoda put it, but it had something to do with like, you know, like, I agree. Or no, he didn't say I agree. He just basically said, no, you're wrong. And, you know, you're just thinking like like young Luke Skywalker. But there's a whole bigger picture out there. I like that it's kind of not explained right now because that's definitely something that they can expand with on on episode nine and, and get into why Ray is as badass as she is. I hope they explain that. I hope they touch on that in the next movie. I really do because I'm going to have issues. She's such a fantastic character. Even if we don't find out like where she comes from, as we both know, has been explained. Is force sensitivity just something that just happens with people? You know, like the, like the kid on Cantabite. Is that is it just something that some people have, like a, a mutant gene or something like that? You know, I'm not. I realize the midichlorians and all that bullshit. Let's just pretend that didn't happen. Yeah, I'm trying to. But how's that distribution work? Is it just this random thing that that happens? I, I don't know because they have stopped going with the whole idea of the chosen one. You know, apparently yeah. that was again something that Ryan Johnson's like, no, not the case. It's not the case at all. So here's a uh, pop quiz for you. Yes. At the end of the movie, the very last scene where she's on the Millennium Falcon, did you see what's in the background? On one of the shelves. Like when everyone's standing around? I'm, I'm not sure which part you're talking about. When she left Octo, heading back mm-hmm. with Chewbacca. No. I mean, no, I did. I'm glad. What'd you catch? 
you're going to have to go back a fourth time and tell me I'm wrong. In the back, you see the old Jedi texts. Uh, I, kn- I did not see them on a shelf, but I did see them actually when Finn, it's at the end of the movie, Finn pulled out the drawer and they were all stacked in that drawer. Is that what you're talking about? They were on a shelf at one point? I didn't even see them in the shelf. I don't know that scene you're talking about. I mean, I know the scene, but I didn't see them, actually. That's sort of funny. I saw them when she's on the Millennium Falcon. You see them in the background over her, I don't know, one of her shoulders. I don't know exactly when I'm going to go back and see it again. I know I've got to put some space in between, you know, this round of it. But I'll definitely look for that the next time I see it. Yeah, we're. I think we're going to go see it next week. We're going to go see it a second time. Well... She's going to see it a second time. I'm going to see it a third time. You can follow up and let me know. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious. So then let me ask you a question. And this is just a pure curiosity question for you. Kylo saw that Ray turned evil. Ray saw that Kylo turned good. You think they're going to switch in the next film? I would be lying if I said that I didn't cross my mind. I was totally thinking that actually. And there's something so intriguing about seeing an evil Ray. I don't know if I want to see a permanent evil Ray, but I would love to see her go dark for a little bit. I don't think they could kill her off as a and as a Sith. Like you can't have someone be good in two films and then in the third they all of a sudden turn bad and kill him off. It would piss me off. I, I have to admit that unless they just did something so magical equivalent to like it'd have to be equivalent to that scene with Holdo going through the supremacy like it had to be on that kind of level of what they do with this scene daisy ridley did say that episode nine is going to be her last movie so why not man i do not believe anything until it doesn't happen i'm a big believer in money talks money doesn't talk money screams and demands its way and gets it I could see how she would want to go out and do some different movies. She's young. I don't know how old she is. I think she's like 23 or 24, 20, something, something right around there somewhere. So, you know, so she's got yeah, a, just like two or three years younger than me. Yeah, exactly, man. You, you're like a baby, Mike. It's like I'm talking to a baby right now. I know. I remember there was a picture that was floating around right, right when they started talking about The Last Jedi coming out. It gave like hints to that. They, they, they said, here's a picture of Rey. It wasn't a hint. It was a picture of freaking Rey, like a Sith, basically. It was pretty damn awesome looking. I think she could pull it off either way. I always thought they were going to make her turn because if you look at the poster for The Force Awakens. Is this something I need to pull up right now? The way she's. Yeah. Well, if you want to tell me I'm wrong. The way she's holding her staff is directly parallel Kylo's lightsaber. So if you look at it briefly and you don't really know what you're looking at. It looks like she's holding a red lightsaber. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah, I'm looking right at it. I always just thought, like, that's too coincidental for them to have two weapons by the good guy and the bad guy, good girl, excuse me, and bad guy, just like that. So I thought that was a play. I thought that was a foreshadowing, if you will. Were you a little bit disappointed that you didn't see her get a double lightsaber? Like, I really thought that's the way it was going to go. I thought she was going to end up with something like Maul had. You know, I didn't know about that. But when she and Kylo were fighting over Luke's old or Anakin's, you know, the blue lightsaber. Did you hear about the news, like without <clears throat> getting into spoilers, about the last week, week and a half? <laughs> We've spoiled the shit out of this movie, Mike. It's 100% okay to throw a spoiler out. Oh, it is gone. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> about the new hue for the lightsaber. 
I heard that there was going to be a third one, which I just assumed was the green one. Is that what you're getting at? Well, I expected a new hue. I mean, green's been done, blue and red. I thought they were going to have a brand new color. I didn't actually answer you correctly. I was thinking that's what we were getting. But when I saw the green one, I thought that's what they meant. But Oh, see, when they when she held up the two pieces of the lightsaber at the end of the movie. Right. And she goes, how are we going to rebegin or begin again with this? I thought like the closing moments would be her putting together a brand new lightsaber and it being some new color. I thought that that's what we were going to get. I have no doubt that I want to see that on the next round, but the kyber crystal was broken. So she couldn't utilize that one because when they split that shit in half, it, it was broken. So they can't use that anymore. So she would have had to find a new one. So that wasn't even it wasn't even on my radar. That never even came up. Matter of fact, I don't even know if they used that term the entire movie. No, in fact, uh, Luke Skywalker called it a laser sword. Um, I think that's a throwback. I think that they described that like on early pitches of the movie, if I'm not mistaken. And it was also kind of funny that he foreshadowed that. He said that at the beginning, and then that's actually what he he literally does that at the end of the movie, you know? Yeah. But to getting back to what you were saying, I could see that happening on the next movie and having her, you know, for whatever reason, obtain the kyber crystal, and then you have your new color. You know what? I have a question for you, and somebody told me they answered this in the movie. What's that? And in the second, the second time I watched it, I listened and I listened and I listened, and I could not find the answer. Okay, so the Knights of Ren were essentially just other students that Kylo Ren turned and took with them. I thought he said he took like a dozen of them, and then he killed the rest. Okay, so other than the fact, not counting the whole going back to the vision that Rey had when she touched the lightsaber in Force Awakens, you know, because she's laying there on the ground and watching this happen. Remember mm-hmm. that when she has the, the flashback and and one of the knights is about to kill her and Kylo kills that knight. And I never understood that. And do they explain in this movie what happened to the Knights of Ren? No. That's another thing that Ryan Johnson left off the table again. And another reason that everyone's giving these negative reactions that, you know, they wanted to see that. Hell, I wanted to see that. But it is what it is. No, they they never touched on it. The only nod they gave to it was when Luke said that he took several fellow students with him and then he massacred the rest of them. Even though I love this movie and have seemed to like it so much more than I did several, like three days ago, I totally get why people are disappointed. I'm just not one of them. I'm just... I don't know. Steve always says I'm I'm a bit of an optimist, you know, when it comes to stuff like this. But this is Star Wars, man. I'm in either way until it just gets to the point where it's just so saturated and so not what it used to be, which I think will come eventually. I'm in for the entire. Ride. Oh, I don't know. I, I would like to think I have faith in Disney. Well, one would beg to differ and say that Disney is the reason that they're not the way that they are. Again, I'm not one of those people. But I've heard that term thrown around a lot over the last several days is, you know, Disney's just got its claws in it now or, it's you know, it's really Disneyed out now. And I can kind of see what they're talking about, but it, I don't it doesn't bother me. Not not yet. Anyway, I, and it's again, it's definitely not the prequels. So I'm completely fine with that. That's that's exactly what I was going to say is I'll tell you what the prequels, they destroyed me. I remember walking out of those theaters. First one, Phantom Menace. Hey, guys, that was good, wasn't it? Was that was that Oh, crap. I think everyone says that. And I got to be honest with you. That's why I'm a slight bit worried for the episode nine. And let me explain why. 
I guess, you know what, maybe I'm an ageist, but I just don't like little kids in Star Wars movies. I don't, it just doesn't feel right to me, you know? And even these kids on Canto Bite, I got like, uh-oh, what are we dealing with here? And it's not the kids' fault. They're young kids. They know they're, they're not strong actors yet. They're lucky as hell to get these roles, but they're, you know, they're not that strong. And it's, it just brought me back to episode one again. Jake Lloyd scarred me for life. I just, the kid was terrible in that movie, you know? But that's why I'm worried about episode nine, because it seems like it's going to focus on this kid, the Force-sensitive little janitor kid from Cantabite. I didn't take it like that. I'll be honest, I don't think we're ever going to see that kid again. I would not be uh, sad about that at all. You think it's just more of symbolic? Yes. Okay. At the end, it was all about anyone can be a Jedi, and that was following directly on the heels of... I want. I think it was Ray speaking to Leia. It was the scene holding the lightsaber, I think. And she goes, "How do we rebuild from here?" She says, "We have everything we need." Exactly. And then it goes to that, and I think it was symbolic in the in the sense that there are people out there who believe in the rebellion, and guess what? Some of them will be Jedi. You know, I like that, what you're saying, and I'm thinking that you're probably right. It's just that they they invested a little bit into this kid, you know? And again, maybe that's just to kind of wrap the story up. But on Canto Bite, when they broke in and they, um, oh, what were those damn animals called? The, like the, hor- the horse-like creatures? I want to say it was like ferials no or clue. something like that. Fer- ferials yeah, or- you know, the prequels ruined me for all those creatures. I try not to pay attention to those. The thing that's getting me is that not only do I do this tradition of seeing, you know, a Star Wars movie three times, you know, once with a friend, once with my family, and then once by myself, I do this on purpose, but more particularly, I did it this time around because I wanted to talk about it. And I fucking made note, I thought I did, of what this creature's name is, and it's just escaping me. I know it's not that big of a deal, but um, anyway, what I was getting at is, you know, when they free all of those creatures... And they were pretty cool looking, by the way, but they were, again, they didn't really have much purpose. Correct. Rose had kind of bribed this kid with her ring, her rebellion ring. You know, and then at the end, it comes back to that. And he opens up the ring and you see the, you know, you see the symbol. So I was thinking, okay, well, they have invested in that. And maybe that's why this kid is inspired and he is force sensitive. But I kind of like the way that you're going with that, too. That is just it's just showing like, oh, yeah, this power still out there. It has nothing to do with the Skywalkers. It's just out there. Yeah. And here's another thing why I think I'm right. And that is because, you know, like he was holding that broom in his right hand. Yeah, like it was a lightsaber. I think the whole point of that scene, besides saying, you know what, the rebellion will go on, don't worry. But it was also a gut punch in a loving manner to every single kid out there, including you and me, who back in the day, and maybe not even so back in the day, held a broom up and pretended to be a Jedi. We've all done it. You know what? Honestly, Mike, that's kind of beautiful. <laughs> I'm not even like fucking with you when I say that. That is that just kind of brought me back right there. Every every kid who loves Star Wars has done that. You know, man, and even more so with something like that. Maybe it was just like a like a symbol of hope for real life too. There's a lot of crazy shit going on in the world right now. You know what I mean? I think maybe that was just a way of saying don't lose hope because there's definitely a little bit of politics involved with the Star Wars thing. I kind of likened the patrons of Canto Bites Casino to like the one percenters, you know, that they were um, 
what am I, where am I, Dan, where are you going with this? How Rose had mentioned that the only way that these people were able to have that type of lifestyle is by, you know, being the evil people that they are by selling arms to the First Order. And the rebellion. And the rebellion, yeah, but they're getting rich off of war. You know, that just struck me as a very political undertone right there. You know, I, I don't even know where the fuck I'm going with this anymore, man. We've been talking so much Star Wars, but um, I know that sounds weird. Maybe you're just like, what the fuck is Dan talking about? But I don't know. I, I did think that. No, you know what? It, it You are absolutely right, my friend. It, it is so important to hold up and stay strong and uh, you can't lose hope. Because, you know, some might argue the notion that, you know, we're in a pretty bad spot right now. I'm not, I promise, folks, I'm not going down political road here. I'm just for the purposes of what we're talking about. Somebody would argue? Some might argue that we're in a pretty bad state right now. Possibly the worst state that we've been in in quite some time. It's a nice little way of saying that there's hope out there. I really think that it's just it's just a way, you know, that it's it's comparing it to how the rebellion is and how they were down. They had nothing. They were down to the bare minimum and they had like a, you know, what did they have left? Maybe 100 people, if that. It was like 400, 300 or 400 people, literally. Yeah, but after the battle. Oh. After the battle on Crate, they lost even more. Yeah. So... Maybe I'm a little low, but you get my point. They're down to their bare minimum, but yet they have everything they need. They just don't lose hope. So anyway, I thought that was a beautiful little moment I thought I'd add there. Very nice. Before we start closing things out, there was one other thing that I wanted to ask you. Did it seem odd to you that Kylo's powers were a bit inconsistent? Um, what I'm getting at is, you know, he's able to force choke somebody. He's able to force push somebody. He, you know, he knocked uh, Hux into the wall. In Force Awakens, he's able to physically stop a laser that's being shot at him, right? He's got some pretty badass powers is what I'm getting at. And none of that was ever stripped from him. Even though he was conflicted, you know, and maybe, you know, not as dark as we thought he was, he still possessed these powers. So did it seem a little weird to you that a Praetorian guard had him in a chokehold and he couldn't get out of it? <laughs> you know, it, it was cool. I liked the scene. I liked how Ray threw the lightsaber to him and, he, you know, he turned it on and popped that hole through the, the Praetorian guard's head. I truly wish I could have sat in the writing room when they sat down to discuss the coolest ways to kill someone with a lightsaber. <laughs> because you know somebody I'm sure said, there was some excitement oh, in I'm, that room. I have no doubt. Because I know that's what I would have been doing. Like, okay, yeah. You know, what if you just pop it and it's right there next to someone's head? Dude, dude, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, I could totally see that. Right, totally. It, it just, it would be crazy. What I could appreciate in that throne room, in that fight was the trouble Ray was having. You expected someone who's had so little training in what, right. like two or three days with Luke on the yeah. Octo? And I think that's what she was, you know, there for. I could I could appreciate the trouble she was having. Because I'm sorry, those are fucking Imperial or Praetor guards. They're trained well. They're they're part force user. But for Kylo Ren to have so much trouble and then still need her to save him in the end by throwing the lightsaber to him, eh. Pretty inconsistent, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I know those are just little things that probably a lot of people didn't even catch. But I know people caught that shit. I know someone caught that. But I don't understand why, like, when, you know, J.J. Abrams was sitting down and watching the final cut of this, why he didn't say something. Ryan Johnson, you mean? No, J.J. Abrams. He was the executive producer. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry, Mike. So, you, you know, you know it went through him before it probably went through went to uh, uh, Kathleen Kennedy at Disney. 
Maybe that's just another one of those things where it's like, look, accept it because we have to get from point A to point B. I guess, I, you know, I, I guess. But what all I'm saying is, you know what, Disney, call me and Dan. <laughs> we'll come in, we'll review what you think is your finished products, and we'll give you our opinion and we're going to make things even better. Just We'll give you us. the yay or nay. Call us. You know, we'll, we'll dot your I's and we'll cross your T's. That's what we do. Exactly what we do. Yeah. Thumbs up. Thumbs down. That's how we roll. Right. <laughs> if only, dude. And we won't charge that much. My fee is low. I only charge $500 per hour, you know, when I'm working for Disney. Send me to the premiere and give me like a lightsaber prop. And I'll take a picture with, with uh, Daisy Ridley. And I'm pretty much good to go from that point. You know they have real lightsabers. You you know underneath the, the Disney castle, there is an experimental lab where they have top-of-the-line scientists creating real lightsabers. On those celebrity expensive tours that other people don't get, huh? So this is where you hear... Right. What's going on in that room? You know what? Let's go ahead and move on to the next room here. Let's take you to Club 33. Want a drink? Let's not talk about this. Yep. Fucking Disney. One of these days, we'll get our, we'll get our real lightsaber one of these days, and then, you know... Then all hell's going to break loose, of course. I will be carving a turkey with a real <laughs> lightsaber. A couple other things that I wanted to get on. You know, we, I kept forgetting to talk about this. And I've tried like three times now. At least I said his name a couple minutes ago. Um, Benicio Del Toro's character, DJ. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? I have a feeling we have the same thoughts. So please. I like Benicio Del Toro. At least I think I like Benicio Del Toro. There's some movies I like him in, and a lot of times I can take him or leave him. Yep. I don't think he had a place in this movie. Um, I think that he just didn't belong in this movie. I, I can't say it any more than that. Um, whereas I'm not getting on... I want to make it crystal clear, folks. I am not a, uh, opposed to people or prejudiced to people with speech impediments. I don't understand why he put a stutter on DJ. I was confused on that for a little while. I got to be honest. I didn't know if that was like, is he doing that as a character stutter or is he an alien who speaks differently? I, I didn't know. I wonder if there was actually like, like did Benicio Del Toro approach Disney and say, I really want to be in a Star Wars movie. Can you help me out? I don't know if um, he's one of JJ's friends or Ryan's friends or, or, if they just went, they wrote this character out and they went, you know, that who would be perfect for this? You know, like, I don't know what the scenario was where Benicio Del Toro ends up in this role. I didn't really care for him at all. I think that that, that could have been something eliminated. I know they needed a code breaker. I get that. But I just think it could have gone about a different. I don't know, man. I, I guess I just maybe I don't like Benicio Del Toro. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Fun fact he was supposed to be in the prequels. Okay. And for some reason, he couldn't make it. And so they actually enjoyed working with him at one point in some film long time ago. And they said, you know, we know you were interested before. You want to come back? You want to do it? And he's like, absolutely. So somebody did him a honest, solid. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want to be in Star Wars? You ask somebody, they're going to have to be, well, I mean, everyone's got their choices. But stupid to say no to being in Star Wars. But again, I'm going to go back, Dan, and tell you, he was he was connected to Rose and Finn and that whole story arc. And again, it was a waste of time and it had no impact on anything. Would you say he's just filler? Yeah, I would be. I would. And I was 
outside of the purpose of breaking the code, he's filler, right? I was ex- I was truly, truly expecting him to turn around at the last minute. You know, when he's taking his treasure off, I was expecting him to turn around and do something to help free them. Yeah, he kind of went out like a punk, didn't he? Sort of like a la, you know, Lando Calrissian. <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, that's a very good... I didn't even think about that, man. If they're, if- Oh, I was totally expecting that. when, And I thought that's what they were playing on was the... When Maz Kanata was talking about, you know, like, oh, it's, you know, he, he can he can write poetry with a, a pistol. Like, oh, they, he's... I know who they're talking about. And so then it wasn't him. It was, you know, it turns out to be, well, even they got the wrong guy. And then they, he, you know, sold him out. And I still expected him to pull a Lando, like at the last minute, you know, come on this way. Didn't happen. And I just thought, what was the point of all this? It was just filler. You're absolutely correct. I'm sorry. I'm talking too much just to say you're right. No, you're good, man. And actually, I'm glad that I didn't even think about that as far as comparisons to the, to the originals go. He totally was a Lando character. He wasn't as hospitable. He wasn't as um, charming. He, you know, he wasn't Billy D. <laughs> that way, right? But you know, you no one's Billy D. Billy D is uh, not Billy D. Hell no, Colt forty five, baby. You know, he wasn't that kind of. He wasn't that guy. He did serve the purpose of the person that you think is there to help, and completely betrays you for the sake of cutting the deal. Interesting, Mike. Good call on that one, man. Yeah. Um, who do you think killed more people? Uh, Henry Cavill in Man of Steel or Oscar Isaac as Poe in this movie, you know, when he went out for the dreadnought, like he was responsible for a shit ton of death right there. And he got off pretty light, wouldn't you say? I'm going to go with Poe only because in Man of Steel, once the fighting started, most people would have evacuated. So a lot of those buildings that came down, it's not like they were filled with people. The dreadnought was filled with people. They weren't getting off that ship easily. I was more, uh, yeah, good point. I didn't even include the freaking dreadnought into that. I was just talking about his own people. Like, you know, Leia tells him, okay, come on back. Let's get out of here. And he's like, no, we got to take that dreadnought out and lost how many bomb, bomber ships, you oh, know? Oh, and, you mean, and, you mean, oh, you mean his own allies? Yeah, his own allies. Like, they were already limited. <laughs> they were already limited. Yeah, Poe fucked up. Poe fucked up big time. Remember the, the the battleship in the U.S. Navy, and this is true, this past summer that collided with a, a Japanese fishing boat and it killed six soldiers? I'm not making light of this. I'm, I'm like, you know, do you remember this? I do know what you're talking about, yeah. Okay. It was the commander of, I believe, the 4th Fleet who was forced to step down when five, six soldiers were killed. In an accident. So it's like you're, you're talking the commander, the captain, all the way up. I mean, all these people. I'm not saying they were all fired, but that went high up the chain of command. Poe gets all their bombers killed, and he gets reduced down <laughs> in one rank. Just to a captain. And and they still don't have a problem. Like, they still talk to him like, you know, oh, Poe, yeah, you, you, you spunky little rebel, you. like You, you silly know. goose. And then he tries a coup on the ship. And then again, okay, so I'm not I'm not going to go deep in this. If Holdo had just told him the plan from the get-go, none of that would have happened. Yeah, so with the combination of the both of their stubborn asses, just like uh, measuring dicks, if you will, even though one of them didn't have one, 
how many people they had 30 freaking shuttles right. and they were just like poof oh i'm getting back to something i want to talk about but they're just taking these shuttles out like like nothing and just ships full of people dying dying all of this has basically has to do with holdo and poe it was pretty crazy i was just thinking about that like there's a lot of unnecessary death happening in this movie right now yep what i wanted to say about the um the shields is it me or is that the first time that they've shown like you've always heard him say shields up or the shields are down or whatever but um was that the first time that they ever showed the hits being taken like that and the shields protecting the ships it seems different to me no, you are you are absolutely correct, and uh, this is where I let my uh, my nerd truly loose here. Uh, what they did was, and, and I'm not, you know, I, I know people will yell at me for this one, but they they really sort of copied Star Trek because that's exactly how the shields stop laser fire and you know photon torpedoes. Yeah, I've seen the effect before. That's the thing. But yeah. I just it just seemed out of place for some reason. It looked really cool. Yeah. No, they they really copied I I mean, you've never seen that effect in Star Wars that I can remember. I am not a super expert by any means, but you know, and usually even the Star Destroyers had shields and when the uh, X-wings were hitting those, you know, shots were landing. So I don't know what S.H.I.E.L.D.s really did. I think in this film, it's really only because the S.H.I.E.L.D.s played such an important part of the plot. I mean, essentially, the S.H.I.E.L.d.s are what kept the movie going. They did say at one point that they, like I said, they couldn't catch up to them, but they were still able to reach them in some capacity with their with their cannons. Do you think maybe the distance had something to do with that? That's what I was thinking. Like, maybe that's why they look different because they're shooting from so far away. And like, and General Hux was like telling him like, yeah, just let's just keep, you know, let's let them know that we're still here. I mean, maybe I'm just getting way too nerdy about it, but I thought maybe that's why they look different. You know, I think they just really needed to make it a point in the movie. Like shields are holding shields. This is what the shields do. This is why they're here. And this is why they're safe from the Empire for now. Another it is what it is. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. It's, and you know, sometimes I think we're, we're all starting to learn in the new age of Star Wars. That is the way it is. Accept it. Yep. A couple more things, Mike. I'm not going to keep you too much longer. Good. Cause I got to go see Star Wars. <laughs> we, she played a big part in the movie. And I know we kind of talked to her about her a little bit. Um, you said that you liked her just fine. Rose Tico. Do you feel she's a strong character? Are you glad she's in the movie? What do you think? I thought the actress did a fine job, and I don't know her name off the top of my head. Kelly Marie Tran, Tran rather. Kelly Marie Tran. Kelly Marie Tran. I think she's, I think she's a very pretty actress. I think she's a great actress. I think she's got everything going for her. I think her role in this movie, again, like Canto Bite and all that, was wasted. One may argue unnecessary. I think that whole scene was still unnecessary. All of it. I think that was such, I think, yeah. you know, out of all the subplots in the movie, I think that's the one I am most disappointed with. In fact, I'll tell you what, if I could see this movie and somebody could edit out everything with Finn and uh, uh, Rose and that whole mission, it would make this a better, a far better movie. I tend to agree with you on that. And I really like Finn. That was one thing that I was a little upset about was like, you know, I really like the dynamic that 
Ray and Finn had in the first one. I thought that was a huge part of what made me love that movie so much. And to have him paired up with Rose, you know, again, she was a, she did a fine job as you put it. She was, you know, I, I get all of that. I'm not, you know, disagreeing with you at all. It just felt, <laughs> no pun intended, it felt forced. Yep. I, I, I have to agree with you on that. I think that she's, they just tried to do too much with her in too little of a time or, or something like, for instance, what I'm getting at is, you know, like at the end and the, the climax scene where, you know, she saves Finn from getting killed. Finn's going in for the suicide mission. He's going to take out that uh, battering ram cannon and she saves him. Yeah. And then she tells him, you know, when he saves her or excuse me, when he, you know, gets her out of the cockpit that she's in. And she tells him, well, that's what we do. What'd she say? When we're in love or when we love something. Uh, yeah, that's what's going to help us win is... Um, saving those we love. Not not killing what we hate, but saving what we love. And then she kisses him. And that was like the most awkward kiss ever. In fact, he kind of had a look on his face like, what? <laughs> you know, like, what's this shit? Did you just kiss me? And not, not offended, of course, but like, oh, snap. I wasn't even thinking this was part of the, the thing here, you know? Or were they trying to make that seem... That? I don't know. Like what I'm what I'm getting at is were they trying to make that some I have a theory, but Me too. But uh and it has to do with episode nine. Me but, too. Um, is that what they're trying to set up? Is it like a like a romance and it's much like I'm gonna get a little nerdy on you. Did you watch the Harry Potter movies? Of course. Okay, so the Jenny and Harry Yeah. Now in the books it's fine. But in the movies, there is no chemistry on screen when those two are together. So I are mean, we getting spend what forty five seconds together throughout? Yeah, all it's kind of awkward. Movies? Yeah, Gail hates it whenever she's on there because it's just so it just feels so forced. So is that what we're experiencing here? Because I, I have a theory, like I said, of what what I think is going to happen if if they're going down a romantic road with this one. Well, my question is more like, why are they doing this? What's the point? Where, where where are they trying to take this? And in the first, the Force Awakens, you you really didn't know between him and Ray. It could have gone either way, and you would have been cool with it. But you felt it. You felt absolutely, absolutely, and and they had great chemistry. You know the way he's holding her hand. She's like, "Let go of my hand. I can take care of myself." You know, it was like it was sweet the way they they worked with each other. Here. I didn't get it. Again, I'm totally anti-Canto bite. Boy, say that five times fast. (laughs) And I really didn't, again, I don't think any of that was necessary. But what I really do think is happening, I think they are setting it up so that Finn has somebody to love at the end of episode nine. Now we know, excuse me, we know that Kylo Ren and Rey are not related. Well, as far as we know, they are not related. And in that one scene where Snoke is bridging their minds, for lack of a better term, you know, you see a little sexual tension when she's looking away, like, you know, can you please put a shirt on? You know, or am I making that up in my mind? You know, I, I thought I saw that. No, I, I agree with you, actually. And I wasn't, I, I did think that. And that's a very good possibility. Uh, that would actually be kind of cool. You know, you'd get, uh, well, I, I would be copying. I heard someone, I forget where, say like Raylo. You know, I think that was on Twitter. I saw someone say Raylo. Oh, God. <laughs> but that's, no, what I'm getting at is I, I could see that happening, right? But it's almost too obvious. Yeah. What I thought 
was what because at the very end um ray and poe meet for the first time yeah okay and i thought i saw a little something there yes you know like because he's he's like you know she's like i'm ray and he's like i know you know (laughs) and he was giving her the eye so i think daisy's ridley is actually a very pretty woman you know what i mean and she um She's got this great smile. But the reason that I bring that up is that her smile is different. You know, just like anyone that has, shows a physical attraction, you know, you smile at one person, it's just a smile. But if you smile at another person, it may be a bit of a flirtation right there. It's exactly what I saw, how she smiled with Finn in, you know, Force Awakens. But she kind of does a little something right there. She she flashes that smile at him when they when they meet for the first time. So does this sound far-fetched? I have two theories, okay? I have two. What if they have something going on and John Boyega or Finn is jealous, right? So you've got like a love triangle. But if you add the other element to it that Rose is in love with John Boyega, I keep calling him by his former, you know, his proper name, but is that Rose is in love with Finn. You've got this like this dynamic of like who's in love with who. And and like you say, someone needs to be with People are going to pair off is what I'm getting at. I do. I know that I completely butchered what I was just trying to say right now. But do you, do you see where I'm coming from? Like there's that or maybe which I would actually prefer to see would be for Ray and Finn to keep that romantic relationship that we think is maybe there. And Rose being because, you know, she's going to be in this one because she last left. You know, they're like, get her some help. So she's kind of like where Finn was at the end of Force Awakens. When she wakes up and she sees how Ray and Finn are with each other, she's going to be completely shitty to Ray throughout the entire movie because she's in love with John. You know, I keep saying John Boyega. She's in love with Finn. And but then I could see her like doing something heroic once again and saving them both. And also or maybe even sacrificing herself because she knows that those two should be together. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, I I don't know. I still see uh, Kylo Ren and Ray. I see the future Kylo Ray. It's hey, anything's possible at this point. Personally, like I said, I'd like to see Finn and Ray. But you're a Kylo Ray person. I believe I am. I'm I'm on Team Kylo. Are we Finn Ray or Raylo? Which one's it going to be? So, yeah, I think that it's most of what I had. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I want to cover before I uh, get ready to sign off on my part. But how about you, Mike? Is there anything else? Oh, I know what we need to do real quick. So let's do a rating of this movie, okay? Uh, The rating here, I think we'll go with Steve and I always try to do this, and the rating's always different. So we have not established a full rating system yet. But for the sake of this, you want to go like uh, one out of five? Sure. Okay. What are you giving this movie? One out of five. You know, four. That's fair. Very fair. I loved it. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't four and a half stars, but it would be unfair to go to three and a half. Okay, fair enough. I am actually going to go with the 4.5. High praise. Up to four because I loved it. I thought it was a great movie, just like you said, you know, but the 0.5 comes in because this one challenged me. It made me go, it was like the opposite of episode one. I came out, that was that was good, right? You know, like, like what we said. But for this one, I, I came out like, was that oh, good? yes. Do you know what I mean? It was like a completely different thing. Like I had to I had to really sit and process this all weekend long. And this is another reason why I saw it three times. There was so much going on. It challenged me. 
And I you know I think that's 100% contributed to Ryan Johnson's, you know, the way he, that he directs in his writing. So that's why I'm giving it that little extra bump right there. This was actually probably the only, even though I can talk some Star Wars, this was probably the only Star Wars movie where I had to take several days to really, really break it down. That's my rating for that one. I hear you. Where does this movie rank for you? Out of all the Star Wars movies, let's get a ranking. A lot of people said, Mike, a lot of people said, I'm not saying you did. I'm not saying I did. But this weekend, a lot of people said that this movie is the next best movie compared to Empire, depending on your preference. But that's what I heard a lot. What do you think? Oh, I I can't say that. Empire is number one for me. Number two is Star Wars. Only because... New Hope is what you're getting at? Yes, yes. Thank you. A New Hope. It started everything. It drove us all crazy. It's what we originally fell in love with. After that, you know... Let's get a full ranking, Mike. Let's go. Why not? Let's go. Let's go one through eight. So you're at you're at Empire. Okay. And then New Hope. Empire. A New Hope. Return of the Jedi. The Last Jedi. The Force Awakens. See, that's tough. You know, I only the the original. Shall we just eliminate? Shall we eliminate the? Let's 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 just forget that happened, and we'll just go with that. That's fair enough, I think. Unless you want to, <laughs> but I, no, I was thinking about that. I'm like, do I want to make this? I could spend too? hours doing this. Like, but, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Like maybe we went a little too that. far. All right. So I do have real quick. I have a I have a funny story to tell you. This is real quick. Please. And this is the other night. It was opening night. Uh, my girlfriend and I. We got there. We got to this theater an hour early to make sure we got decent seats because I was not going to sit up front for this. We got there, and there were, I think, two other people who were sitting down on the bench, and that was it. And the doors opened. They finished cleaning, and we got in front and center. It was beautiful. And, uh, well, middle and center. And right in front of this, a a father, you know, who, who looks like he's a little ragged, and his what would probably be his 13-year-old daughter come in. And they sit down in front, right in front of us. And we're watching the movie. And everyone's quiet, respectful audience. And uh, when the the scene with Kylo Ren and uh, Ray are talking and he doesn't have a shirt on, <laughs> the daughter... <laughs> Out loud, loud enough for quite a few people to hear, out loud goes, oh, my God. (laughs) And the people around laughed. But I'll tell you who didn't laugh. And that was her father, who whipped his head around, just looked at his daughter so hard. (laughs) I just felt bad for the father because that's what he's got to live with for the rest of his life. And, bro, don't you know I can relate right now, too. Believe me. God God bless you, parents. (laughs) All you parents out there, God bless you. That's funny. Um, Let me drop my ranking real quick on this one here. So, yeah, I gave it a 4.5. But as far as movies go, I'm going to be a little bit different than you. And I'm sure I'm going to piss someone off. But, hey, this is my choice. Piss off. Empire will always be number one to me. Because that movie just made me go, oh, this is like some whole next level thing. Like, you took a great thing like Star Wars, New Hope, and you did this to it? 
and you left me that stressed out like what's going to happen for like two years or so as a kid you don't do that to a kid so that was definitely my number one star wars movie but this is where it gets a little interesting and i know a lot of people will disagree with me i'm actually going to go am i hold on am i This is a bold statement, Mike. I'm going to go with Force Awakens as my second favorite. Oh, wow. No, 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 no. I fucked that all up. I'm sorry. I'm going to try that again. I apologize. I'm going to go ahead and throw in one more original, which is Jedi. Loved it. Loved the whole the battle with father and son and all of that. And again, another movie that maybe has to do with like the, the time period that I saw it and the, the, the experience I had. But it's just something that will always stick with me. So definitely there. I the part that gets a little bit different for me is that I will now slip out New Hope. I I love New Hope. I love it. But to me that is probably and I'm excluding the the um the prequels. I find that to be the slowest of the original trilogy. Even though it's what started everything and and gave us these amazing characters. That one was always like the slowest to me uh, upon rewatch. So that one's actually going to get dropped down. And this is probably going to change because right now all I can truly think about is is freaking Last Jedi. But I'm going to go ahead and slip in, and I know it's blasphemy, Mike, but I'm going to go ahead and put (laughs) Force Awakens over New Hope. And I have a reason for it. I feel it's a better pace. I feel it's better shot because, you know, you've got modern technology now doing this here. Um, But I feel... That as an adult, it's the movie that helped me kind of capture that again. Out of all these movies that we have, Avengers and, you know, just all these amazing popcorn movies that come out, that movie brought me back to being five years old again. Best way put. But as far as storyline goes, I'm going to have to say that probably uh, Last Jedi is a, a much better storyline. It's a, it's a not as safe of a film. But honestly... I'm putting New Hope at the bottom of all of these movies only on the fact that I feel it is the slowest paced movie. What what do you think about that? I'm debating whether or not to ever talk to you again. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people are going to disagree with that, man. But I've given it some thought and I honestly feel that way. A lot of people, I've told people that and they're like, you're fucking crazy. Force Awakens made me feel like a kid again. That's the best way to put it. And I love the storyline of A New Hope. And, and it's just, there's just so much, so much going on with that movie. But that is my current plotting of how the movies are. It may change. It's not like I've, I've had this policy for a long time. But at the moment. Don't worry. I totally accept that you're wrong. It's okay, man. Agree to disagree. And I'm sure a lot of people will. But that's, that's how I'm rolling right now, man. Surprised though, huh? Brave. <laughs> you know. Wrong, but brave. <laughs> I'm losing listeners as we speak. So. Well, I think that's about it, man. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to this here. I know that we were kind of all over the place, but I have no regrets about that. Uh, I loved being able to do a podcast with you, Mike, and just let to, to put that out there. You are always welcome to come back if there's anything you ever want to talk about or you're just getting the itch to do a show, man. Hit me up. You know, we're doing this weekly. And, and uh, again, thank you very much for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. My pleasure. And I have had a, uh, an absolute blast. Looks like we're not going to be able to probably see each other for a few months, man, but it's coming up. Mike and I will be hitting. That's probably the, that's probably the next time that you'll be on, I bet. But like I said, you're always welcome to come on. We're going to be doing one from WonderCon for sure. Like it's a guarantee that we'll probably be slurring a lot when we do it because <laughs> we'll be coming back from a long day 
of uh, the con and Disneyland and who knows how many drinks. But yeah, we'll definitely get one out that time too. So folks, you have not seen the last of the third hero of noise, Mr. Mike, uh, Mix Master Mike, Magical Mike, whatever the heck you want to be called. We'll just call you Mike for now. How's that? I, I, I think I prefer that. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> hey, guys. Let me just give you a little bit of info. I forgot to give this to you at the beginning of the show, and you know how much I'm having to do this all the time anyway, right, Steve? But I'm going to go ahead and do it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get in touch with the Heroes of Noise, it's very simple, and this is how you do it. If you want to give us an email, old school style kind of now a little bit, but we respond very well to these, hit us up at Heroes of Noise Podcast. Excuse me. Hit us up at Heroes of Noise Podcast at gmail.com. On the Twitters, you can hit us up at at Heroes of Noise. That's our mainstay. That's where I'm always at, and Steve is on there too. You can reach me personally at DanQPublic, and you can reach my buddy Steve at at SE underscore Hudson Music. We have a voicemail line. Please give it a call. It's a little dusty. We want to dust that bad boy off and play your message. Uh, you're calling the San Joaquin Valley. I apologize about that, but that's the way it is. Call 559-492-9831. That's 559-492-9831. Leave us a message and we will play it on the show. Uh, Mike, I know you don't really do anything in the lines of this podcasting here, but do you have anything that you would like to plug? Why the hell not? Man, you know, I appreciate it. Most people usually don't reach me, uh, reach out to me for my uh, sci-fi knowledge. They're usually asking me about realtor questions. Yes, I am a realtor. So if you have any questions, I am at the Sacramento Realtor on Facebook. Otherwise, Star Wars or Star Trek only. And a damn good realtor he is. This man is like, like if you look up like best fucking realtor in California... You won't see a picture of him, but like sooner or later, it's going to get there because he's that good. Trust me. He's that Actually, good. that's the Google search I purchased. Yes. <laughs> nice. Bestfuckingrealtor.com. That, that, my, my broker keeps asking me to turn it off, but I won't. Last words. Anything else, Mike, before we uh, sign off here? I've had a blast, and uh, you know, I love this movie, despite any of my complaints. Go see it. It's worth it. It'll make you smile. I can't disagree with that, guys. This movie has rocked me to my core. Um, maybe because I'm high off of it for three days of watching it, but it is probably one of my favorite. Well, I would have to say it's in my top two. Don't ask me for the second one. Favorite movies of the year. Uh, it's fucking Star Wars, guys. This is a celebration. And uh, thank you guys very much for listening to the show. I hope that Star Wars fans out there feel that we did this justice. And if you have any, you know, any concerns, any arguments, any questions, anything that we can do for you, hit us up at the, you know, aforementioned... Uh, contact info there guys that's it for me my name is dan with me is mike this is the heroes of noise guys steve will be back next week we will talk to you soon be good may the force be with you always 